fill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet Radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 3675. So sit back, relax, and remember Southern Sense is common sense. Welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook, iHeartRadio, and half a dozen other places, including Substack, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, which is now Simplecast, TuneIn, PocketCast, and I have no idea wherever else we are. Just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, Southern com. Now, Curtis is not with me, but I have the lovely and most intimidating woman you ever want to meet, Vicki Tonkins. Good afternoon, Vicki, and welcome aboard. Hello. I thank you so much, Annie, for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, of course, being on Blog Talk Radio, we have technical difficulties again, so we don't have all of our facilities, so just bear with me. And you know I don't have all my facilities. That's why I'm the hostess with the least mostess, the radio chickadee. Anyway, we've got ourselves a jam-up lineup here today. Are you ready for it? Absolutely. Let's go. Yeah, well, we're going to intimidate the men, I'll tell you that, because we're going to start off with uh, Barbara Bonarigo, uh, she is a legal immigrant here to the United States. She's an active business businesswoman as well as in politics, and she's running for office locally. Uh, we also have Frank Gaffney. Uh, we, I have to apologize to Frank. He hasn't been on the show in quite a few years. That's my bad. He's got a new book out called The Indictment, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party Uh-oh. and the Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. Good Lord. Uh, Karen England, also, she's been a past guest on here. Uh, She runs the Capital Resource Institute. Um, She also has the Kitchen Cabinet, which we're going to have a lot of fun. 
Um, we do have stepping in for a little bit uh, Mike Hill, former Florida State Representative, now back in private business. And then we're going to end up our show with Hannah Davis from the Heritage Foundation, our immigration expert. Boy, I'd managed to do that without screwing up too badly, didn't I, Vicki? You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to welcome everyone that is here listening uh, in our chat room. And our chat room just disappeared on me, uh, as well as people that are up listening over on Facebook and live on YouTube. Uh, but we'll get our act together sooner or later. <laughs> so just bear with us. Oh, man. But uh, tell everyone, the listeners, who you are, Vicki, and what you do, what podcast you do along with Dan Perkins. Okay. Uh, you know, my name is Vicki Tompkins. I'm here in Colorado. And uh, I am one of the co-hosts of Moms Across America. And uh, I, I love doing our show, just talking things that really impact families and the things that moms have to deal with. And uh, I also am the chair for the county that I live in, in the Republican Party. And so I'm very heavily involved in politics and have been for about 10 or 12 years now. And... Uh, I got to tell you, politics is not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. So it's going to be interesting talking to Barbara and find out why in the world are you running for office? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Now, actually, uh, people know that, listen, not only do I run a tea party, which I've, we've been active uh, since 2009, um, I also an executive committee chair uh, for my county precinct and active in the executive committee. Uh, yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, the women are starting to get our voices heard, and I'm glad yeah. that more and more are getting active in politics, especially women that are conservative. Because, you know, like like me, the second they say a woman, they assume that you're a liberal Democrat. <laughs> and you know what they say about people that assume, right? That's right. Well, you know, I get hit <laughs> twice. Walking into a meeting as a black woman and I'm a conservative Republican – Boy, do I get the looks. Is she a spy? Is she here to get intel for the Democrat Party? What? I've been a Dem I have been a Republican my entire voting career. Thank you very much. Mm. I actually I tell people that it was in my DNA. There's there's no way I could be anything else from the day I was born. Uh, I mean, even growing up, uh, my brother used to call me Goody Two Shoes because yep. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what you're doing is not right. <laughs> I got the same word, so I understand completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know if you know, but we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. Yes, and today's dedication is going to go out to um, get my act together here. It's going to go out to Sergeant Joshua Lee Klaus. He's of the Cameron Police Department out of Texas. His end of watch was Thursday, May 11th of this year. And this is from the policetribune.com. And they read, Cameron Police Department, CPD, Sergeant Joshua Josh Klaus, was murdered in the line of duty on Thursday, May 11, 2023, while serving a search warrant in connection with the domestic violence shooting. According to Milam County Sheriff's Office, the MCSO, 
Cameron Police responded to the 700 block of North Travis Avenue at about 10.55 p.m. on May 10, after receiving a report of a gunshot victim, according to the KXAN. When they arrived at the scene, the victim told police that her spouse had shot her in the back of the neck. After an initial investigation, police obtained a search warrant for a residence located in the 500 block of East 7th Street in connection with the incident. A team of law enforcement officers from the MCSO and the CPD, the Rockdale Police Department, RPD, and the Texas Department of Public Safety, the DPS, all converged on the room, on the home, to serve the warrant. But the police said when they arrived at the scene, the suspect opened fire on them. Officers returned fire, fatally wounding the gunman. He was later identified as 29-year-old Raphael Acosta, according to KCEN. The MCSO confirmed on Thursday morning that a Cameron police officer was shot by the suspect during the shootout. The wounded hero was rushed to the nearest hospital emergency room, where he was pronounced deceased. The CPD later identified him. Sergeant Klaus. Police said the victim of the initial domestic violence incident suffered a graze wound to the neck and is expected to recover. The Texas Rangers are handling the ongoing investigation to the fatal officer-involved shooting at the request of the MCSO. In addition to his service with the CPD, the 39-year-old sergeant was also a U.S. Army veteran, according to the Officer Dan Memorial Page which you can find at odmp.org. He leaves behind his wife and two young children. Josh died doing what he loved by protecting and serving the community, the slain sergeant's family said in a statement to KBTX on Friday. The outpouring of love and support from our community and from across the state has touched our hearts deeply. They described Sergeant Klaus as a true hero. And from his obituary, which was very, very plain and simple, it read, Josh, a police sergeant for the Cameron Police Department, was born on Fort Hood on January, I'm sorry, June 27 of 1983. He graduated from Wexahatchee High School in 2001. He enlisted in the U.S. Army, was honorably discharged in 2005. He married Stephanie Nicole Fortier in 2003, and from that union were born two sons, Jonathan Klaus and Jordan Klaus. He worked at the Milham County Sheriff's Department for several years and then Cameron Small Angels before going to the Cameron Police Department. He was a member of the Harvest Bible Church in Rockdale, where he served as a deacon and a preteen minister along with being part of the church security system. And Heidi March, Lauren Adams, and Todd Unger wrote this for KXXV.com. And they wrote, The funeral services for fallen Cameron Police Officer Sergeant Josh Klaus was held in the afternoon at Bell County Expo Center in Belton. Close to a 1,000 mourners showed up to the service, according to an estimate by 25 News anchor Laura Adams. Lasting over an hour, the service emphasized the father and husband's dedication to his community 
and also a strong belief in the Lord. Pastor Brad Dusenberry spoke of a man who, even until his death, was always willing to try new things. Josh never halfway done nothing. Josh wanted to learn how to fly and do flying lessons. He did his first solo flight three weeks ago. Now he can fly, said the pastor. Dunsenberry said Josh was the first officer into the house while trying to serve a warrant last Thursday night in Cameron. It was during that event that he was gunned down. After the service, law enforcement held a 21-gun salute outside of the Expo Center before presenting Mrs. Klaus with a folded American flag. Dozens more lined the streets in Cameron during a procession during that day. And finally, from KWTX News out of Texas, they write, A central Texas community honored slain Cameron Police Department Sergeant John Klaus as a man of faith, a great leader, and a loving person who would go above and beyond to help those in need. Klaus was fatally shot while his police department executed a search warrant on May 10 at a residence in the 700 blocks of North Travis. A gunman accused of shooting a woman opened fire at police officers approaching the residence. The memorial service on May 17th was held at the Bell County Expo Center and was led by Klaus Pastor Brad Dusenberry, who spoke about the sergeant's character and ability to lead with integrity. Most importantly, I want to point out in this article, they state, those who attended the service learned about Klaus's final and selfless moments. He demanded he go first, but you know what he did? He got the guys together first and prayed, said Dusenberry, as he recounted Klaus's actions during the execution of the warrant at the residence in North Travis. The funeral procession for fallen Cameron Police Sergeant John Klaus started at 11 a.m. as his body was transported from the Cameron to the Bell County Expo Center for the memorial service. The procession started at the Merrick Burns Laywell Funeral Home in Cameron, turning right onto U.S. 77. It then headed right onto Highway 190, passing through Cameron, Buckholtz, and Rogers. It then headed left onto FM 436 toward Little River Academy. After passing through the city, the procession turned onto Loop 121 toward Belton, crossing I-35 and hung onto I-35 Frontage Road before arriving at the Bell County Expo Center. Hundreds of law enforcement officers and first responders from across central Texas attended the service. I may not know an officer personally. I may not have interacted with them. But any time we lose a brother or a sister in the line of duty, it feels like you're losing a family member, said Christopher Wilcox, a law enforcement officer in Bell County. Anything we can do to honor him and the sacrifice he made for his family and community, it's no price too large. Today's show is dedicated to Sergeant Joshua Lee Klaus. It is also dedicated to every person that serves as a first responder, be the law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. 
is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve our nation. From the, its birth through today until our grateful future. We dedicate to this show and to these brave men and women from this show this song by Dave Bray called Last Call. Sergeant Joshua Lee Klaus, you are end of tour. Stand down. We will take it from here.
All right, and we're back live. You're here listening to Set the Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, oh, I don't know the heck with it. You know what I'm going to say next. Just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, as in Common Sense, and put a dash in the middle. I'm your hostess with the least most of the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my guest co-host, the vivacious Vicki Tompkins. Good afternoon, Vicki. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you, oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I, I get a little choked up sometimes when I do these dedications. Um, I've stood too many times in uniform with white gloves to friends that we've laid to rest like that. Oh, man. Yeah. And it, 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 it sometimes it becomes as if I am standing there still. But that said, oh, we have a lot to talk about today. I mean, I have never seen a news cycle like I see under this administration. I thought it was crazy under Trump, especially with trying to impeach him every five minutes or do something to go after one of his crew, shall we call it, be it Peter Navarro or Bannister or Banyan or whoever else, General Flynn. They will do anything to bring this man down. But now under this administration, they're trying to use the Trump indictments to hide what's going on with Biden. And just before coming on air, I sent you a, a text that there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today uh, showing another way in which the Biden administration is trying to hide their sins and use the news media as their patsy to, you know, hey, listen, don't look at who's behind the curtain. Uh, just don't pay attention to what I'm doing with my hands, you know. <laughs> This this is the Wizard of Oz on steroids. Yes, it is. I have never seen so much ridiculousness, and that's saying it nicely, uh, with an administration as we have seen with Biden and the constant um, just maneuvering to cover themselves. It's it's absolutely insane. Yeah. Now there was an article that. Uh, it was originally in the Wall Street Journal and has been reprinted in part in the Western Journal, the people go up there, uh, by George C. Upper III. And the title of it, and this will tell you the whole thing that's inside the article, is The Navy Detected the Titanic Submersible's Implosion Five Days Ago, But It Was Kept Quiet. Now, what people don't realize is that the Navy has, in the ocean, in certain areas that are highly sensitive, microphones that they monitor 24-7 in case an enemy like Russia, China, Iran, uh, have sent out a uh, submarine or something to probe our defenses or maybe break through our defenses. So we're on alert 24-7 against our enemies. Don't think that we're just sitting back here on our hands. But our Navy is, is vigilant despite this administration, they remained vigilant, and they detected that when that submersible went down, and I believe it was an hour and 45 minutes into its, its journey, its voyage, that's when it imploded. They knew immediately that it imploded. And the, this I will say because everyone, America, the world, sat back holding their breath thinking and hoping for those five days that these people were still alive. Think about the family. Think about what they went through for five days 
not knowing what happened to their 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 loved one. And the Biden and, and, administration held on to this information, told the Navy not to release it. And the question I ask, Annie, is why? Why was it so important for them to hold on to this information? This is five individuals who did this on their own. This was not a military operation. What was, I can't understand any type of reasoning that you would hold back that information, particularly from the families. Uh, Drumroll, what covered the news that you, every time you turned to any station, it was the submersible, it was the Titanic, it was the rescue of the people. You didn't yep. see anything else in the headlines, but yep. all the way in the back page, here Hunter Biden pleads guilty. <laughs> here Hunter Biden's whistleblowers come forward and say our investigation was hampered by our superiors. We were told and things disappeared. And now, now we're finding all these other things that were going on between Hunter and his daddy, mm-hmm. as I call him, creepy Uncle Joe, because uh, he can't keep his hands off of females and kids, uh, if you notice. But uh-huh. now... All the headlines have the submersible and the rescue efforts for five days, only to keep the Biden story on the back burner. So no one's paying attention to what the right hand is doing because the left hand is performing the magic tricks. And now you don't see what the right hand. But I think the American public is waking up. I truly hope so. Because to prevent a family from finding out information about their loved ones because you wanted to cover your behind is the epitome of wickedness, in my opinion, that you would be so self-serving that you would not even consider how these families are probably not having sleep, trying to figure out what's going on, and no one no one is telling them anything. And then to find out it has taken them five days to do so and they knew all about it, I I, I would be fit to be tied. Yeah. Now, I only hope, I truly, I, I didn't read through the entire article because it came out just before coming on air, so I, I just sped read through it. But I'm hoping and I'm praying that someone had the common sense to pull the family aside as soon as they knew and say, listen, we can't release this to the public. I'm sorry about that. When we're told we can release it, we will. Maybe I'm hoping they had some sort of sympathy for the family. We'll find out more as the story continues to unfold. I'm praying that someone was that kind and that intelligent to do that, to not leave them hurting and wondering. I hope so. Now, what is... What no one is also talking about, which I saw finally on Newsmax last night, and I cheered it, but back in 2018, I don't have the article directly in front of me. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But one of the engineers, one of the people that was helping create this submersible, back in 2018, wrote an in-depth report because everything he was telling them was verbal, and they were not responding to his concerns his verbal concerns about the design and the material used to create the submersible. 
and he raised concerns, and then finally when his verbal concerns were never met, he put it in writing and presented it to them. Five minutes after he presented these findings in writing, he was fired. Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, they went forward and built this submersible, which they launched in 2021, with this composite hull, which the original report said it will not it will break apart. It will implode after repeated uses, especially when under X amount of pressure. He mm. was concerned, highly concerned with that in the design. And composite material was never designed to be used as a hole for a submersible. They know. It's, it's like plastic. It, it is basically plastic it is what it is. And you know over time, plastic will end up breaking. Yes. It cannot... You keep on using a plastic object over time, it will start to crack and it will break apart. That's right. Think about this submersible going continuously under high pressure in this water. That's high pressure. Not like the Earth's atmosphere. It's not like you can use it like a drone. You can make a drone out of composite. But when you go under this high ultra pressure, down as many feet as they went, it's going to break. Oh, yeah. And it broke. And to have and to someone, withhold it. I know. To have someone present it and you just ignore it? Yeah. 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 Well to make history. And now they held this information from the public for five days. And from the public holding it, it put Biden's story on the back. And I don't know if you saw it was on what what's what that there's an app out there, WhatsApp or WhatApp or something like that. It's this messaging app that uh, Hunter Biden used, communicating with the Chinese government directly all the way up to the high command in the Chinese government, demanding payment. And he was talking to daddy. His daddy was sitting right next to him. And if you don't respond in the next what, 15 minutes, uh, well, Daddy's going to know about that, and we're going to have some problems here. Now, it sounds like the office of the vice presidency was used to extort, what was it, $8.3 million out of the Chinese government? Interesting. And they're going after Trump. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 you know that, that saying that if it wasn't so sad, it would be comical? To see people work that hard to, first of all, extort money and then try to blame someone else for something that is not a crime but make it a crime, then cover up um, something tragic that happened with this submersion here because you're trying to protect yourself. It's all the family business. It sounds like the mob. It does. Yeah, it is the Biden crime family. That's exactly Sad. what it is. It's the Biden crime family. They all should be in jail for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's starting to come out, and they have the hearings now in the Senate, uh, and we're going to find out more and more about that. But I think the big story is the fact they used this human tragedy of these five individuals 
to control the news media. And if I was CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, or any of those, and find out that you were played a fool, holy moly, (laughs) there should be a huge backlash. Now, I didn't get a chance to go through all the news stations this morning, and I have to admit, uh, my fiancé, he does live with me, and um, he has a different view on how to watch the news. He goes to this thing called Haystack, and they rotate mm-hmm. through all the major stations, which can drive me crazy. I mean, to me, I just turn it on the Newsmax, I walk away, I come in, I always catch what I need to catch. Right. So I don't mind you know, occasionally going over to Fox. Uh, they still have a more conservative slant than the others, but sometimes you have to look at them going, what are you thinking when you put that up there? But that's all right. That's okay. I can deal with that. But it goes through all the other channels, and you'll get, like, MSNBC, and you'll get, uh, what is it, uh, Morning Joe. <laughs> I oh, swear, Lord. I want to take a baseball to the baseball bat to the TV screen when I see him come up. Uh, and some of the others, like uh, the Right Reverend Al. <laughs> mm, oh, give me a break. No. <laughs> you don't represent me, brother. But I, I want to see what happens with those stations tonight when they hit their prime time news hour, starting at 5 o'clock. See what they present after this World's Wall Street Journal story broke today. I want to see what their reactions are at the prime time. Well, they're, they'll continue covering for Joe Biden. They'll continue uh, making it something that it's not. That That's just what they do. They They double down and try to make sure they can not be spotted. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting. Now, we're waiting for our guest, and unfortunately, uh, she was booked through my co-host, Curtis, and he did not give me a phone number. Um, so I'm hoping that she will call in. If not, like I said, we got a ton to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with everything now that's breaking, and it's been pro- proven that the uh, – the Trump derangement syndrome that they had going on about uh, Ukraine and so forth was all false, false story. Um, and they're also proving that he really didn't have anything to do with the January 6th, no matter what Mike Pence says or Bill Barr says. You know, it, it, he had a speech on the mall, and I was listening to the speech, honestly, when he was talking about it. And I was getting text messages and reports about a riot going on at the Capitol. And if the Capitol had been breached, I think it was like around, I was getting texts starting around 1, 1.30 and going into 2 o'clock. And it was around 1.30, 2 o'clock, he, that was when he said, and we will peacefully march to the Capitol. Now, that march was like a half an hour away from the Capitol, if you're talking walking distance. So there's no way that the people attending his rally were the were the rioters at the Capitol at the time of the breach. The, the timeline just doesn't match. On top of which, I had been getting personal messages from people in the know that were reporting a week ahead of time of vehicles being staged, unmarked vehicles, and people getting in and out of them wearing dark clothing, hoodies, masks. And lo and behold, the day of the breach, you're also hearing stories of people coming out of those unmarked vehicles wearing Trump uh, uh, t-shirts and hats. 
and then later on switching to masks. Now, wait a minute. It sounds like maybe Antifa was used to help or, you know, some other groups may have been used to help. It looked like it was Trump supporters when it really wasn't. You know, there's a lot that's coming out. Of yeah. all this between what's being proven to be false narratives against Trump, God bless these two women. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she is a representative out of Georgia, and mm-hmm. Elise Stefanik out of New York, both of whom we had on our show when they were running for office, have both put forward um, resolutions to expunge Trump's first and second impeachment. Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene has the first one to expunge the Ukraine uh, investigation that he was impeached upon. Uh, and then um, Elise Stefanik put in a second one to expunge the January 6th conspiracy theory. God bless. Let's see what happens. And let's see if, in turn, articles of impeachment go forward because um, – uh, oh, oh God! I, she was another one I interviewed, uh, the one out of Colorado. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce. Lauren Bobert. Thank you very much. Brain fart. <laughs> Brain fart <laughs> has put forward articles of impeachment along with Marjorie Taylor Greene. She did that last week, and Bobert is putting up another set, which seemed to be going forward to be presented to the floor. It looks like it's going to happen. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Because, like you were saying, all this stuff is coming out, uh, basically saying all the things that they were doing toward Trump is was a lie. I mean, most of us knew that at the beginning, but now it's coming out. It's showing the evidence. It's showing all this stuff. But they keep pushing to put this man in jail. And it that you know what that tells me is, what we're seeing here on the surface is so much deeper. It's like that iceberg. You know, we're only seeing 10% on the mm-hmm. surface because it's so much deeper. Because for them to do what they're doing now, <laughs> to continue this, this charade, yeah. there's a lot of scared people out there because they've done some major things in this nation that is just bubbling up, and they can no longer stop it. Yeah. Now, there's something else, though, that I want to – again, it deals with Trump and possible pardon. You notice how lamestream media keeps on asking all of the candidates, if they were elected to office, if they would pardon Trump. Now, Trump hasn't gone to trial yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was it August 18th they gave him, I think was the trial date, somewhere, if, if I'm correct, whoever's in the chat room, give me the correct date. Uh, you guys are great. You're on top of stuff faster than I am. Uh, God bless my listeners. Our listeners, I should say to you. Um, <laughs> but every single time they ask one of these candidates, it's as if they're presuming that he's already guilty. Yep. Uh, instead of saying yes, I'll pardon them. Let's. Why don't these candidates say, "Wait a minute, I don't recall him being convicted of anything at this point. What is there to pardon? Should that occur, if he's determined guilty, let's cross that bridge." Right. But they're not doing that. They're falling it's... into the fool's trap. <laughs> On purpose. Uh, so the trial is set for August the fourteenth, and. 
I, I, you know, I find it interesting that, like you were saying, they're asking all these other candidates, and it's like it's one or two things going on here. They are assuming that Trump will be uh, convicted, mm-hmm. or they're part of trying to make sure he is convicted. So mm-hmm. I don't trust many of those who are running because uh, I just don't. I'll just leave it at that um, because I really felt, you know, just looking back over the 2020 election, and yes, I've been called a, um, you know, election denier and whatever. I, that doesn't matter to me. Names don't bother me. Um, I know what I saw, and I know the information that I have been presented with. And they do not want a person in office who will speak truth to power and expose those. I mean, you don't have to call people names, whatever. But he's exposed so much, and I think they fear he knows even more. And Mm -hmm. that's why they do this. And I got to tell you, I'm disappointed in the Republican Party as a whole, not stepping forward and saying enough of this and doing something about it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but I'll tell you what, you're just giving me a good promo for next week's show. Next week's show, we have Leah Hoop, uh, who co-authored a book uh, recently released called Parallel Elections. Uh, Mm. These two were election officials i don't i i just started reading the book and it's one of those holy <clears throat> books i don't curse on air normally but you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like holy defecation anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> uh they both worked the elections uh they didn't do it at the same you know together but they did it in different locations as I'm reading the book and what they saw and what they documented in the state of Pennsylvania just south of Philadelphia is electrifying yeah. electrifying they went and presented their their what they have what evidence they have uh and it got so to the point where they were sued it cost them their reputations their finances uh, they were dragged publicly through the mud, yep. uh, and they've composed this book now, and it is eye-opening. Now, if this occurred in just one state, multiply that by 50 states and all the territories. Yep. The Democrats could get away with what they got away with, and this took a lot of time and a lot of planning. This oh, yeah. not someone going... Well, I know we can ballot harvest here, so let's hop in the van and let's just go around and collect ballots and then turn them in. It's not like a couple of guys sitting there in Colorado smoking their doobies or chewing their their marijuana gummies. (laughs) I I had to throw that in there. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. (laughs) But this was carefully staged and carefully planned. Absolutely. Very carefully Yeah, they've been working on this for some time. I mean, you can look at when Hillary Clinton was running and just some of the verbiage that was used. And after uh, she lost, 
how many times did over and over and over did we hear them say that he's an illegitimate president, blah, 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 about Trump? Because their plan failed. Uh, I think because there were so many people overwhelmingly voting for Trump, they didn't plan well enough to overcome that. And so this time they knew they had to plan. And so they started planning from the time he was elected to get all their ducks in the row from doing this national mail-in ballot because of COVID. Give me a break. You even planned COVID. Okay, I went there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's but, all right. I'll, I'll get banned on, on YouTube again. We'll say COVID, COVID, COVID. Are you uh, guys listening? <laughs> so I, all of that was a part of the plan. And as I look back between the 2016 and the 2020 election, it makes so much sense that they had been working on this for some time during the, the 2016 election. But like I said, uh, Trump was getting so many votes that they didn't plan enough like they did for 2020. No, they didn't. And I'm pulling up the uh, articles of impeachment uh, that Lauren Boebert uh, presented, and it's House Resolution Number 57. Uh, actually, no, this is this – is, actually, no, I apologize. Not Boebert. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is what passed, uh, and it is resolved – uh, that for abuse of power by enabling bribery and other high crimes and misdemeanors. She's following the Constitution. Yeah. And, she, yep, uh, impeach for abuse of power for enabling bribery, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then she enumerates the actual abuses of power. Uh, yeah, as senior Obama administration official overseeing anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine, Hence, any illegal activity involving corruption conducted by Hunter Biden within or in relation to Ukraine would fall under the purview of the office of Vice President Biden and the Obama State Department's anti-corruption efforts. Mm. All right. And, and then, here, here it goes. In fact, many State Department officials within the administration repeatedly registered reservations about Hunter Biden's role on the board of a corrupt company. Thus, any instances of corruption on behalf of Hunter Biden via his role as a board member of the Ukraine-operated Burisma energy firm were either not investigated or covered up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember watching that video of Joe Biden talking about uh, some things that were going on over in Ukraine, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And then here we are years later. And we had this whole thing with the Ukraine, you know, the war in Ukraine. And I thought, why are we sending money to Ukraine? And I remembered that video. And I thought, hmm, so we're just stock, stockpiling money for the big guy? Is that what's mm-hmm. happening? And, you know, I, I, I get so concerned about the American people because I'm like, why are you not seeing this? I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I see what I see, and I I have I have felt from day one all of this was connected to the Bidens, from that video to what's happening in Ukraine now, 
and some of the atrocities in Ukraine uh, with human trafficking. I don't even know why our House and Senate would even agree to send money over there. Yeah. Well, now, Marjorie Taylor Greene went after impeachment under the, the, what occurred in Ukraine. Lauren Boebert is going after him articles of impeachment for the border, the open border agenda. Mm-hmm. Now, what's coming, what's coming out in these whistleblowers that testified before Congress yesterday about China, let's see if a third set of articles of impeachment come out against creepy Uncle Joe. So hmm. they're going point by point. They're not throwing them all into one article of impeachment, which is extremely smart. Do it instant by instant by instant. Yeah, that is smart. That is very smart. Yep. So Lauren Bobit is forcing a vote by the end of this week, which means today. Oh. Which means today there should be a vote on that. So, guys, if you are paying attention and you're in the chat room, let us know what's going on there, because I can't follow it and carry the video of the show at the same time. And it looks like we don't have our guest here, which is unfortunate, but like I said, we've got tons, tons of stuff to talk about. Um, but let's see what happens now. Let's see if we start to get multiple articles of impeachment against them being forced onto the floor, because it's going to stick somewhere along the way. And uh Joe Biden will become an impeached president. I am predicting that. Yeah. And look what what will happen. The only thing that may prevent him being impeached is the vice president. Does anyone truly want Queen <laughs> Melamela Harris to be president of the United States? Oh, Lord. Just the thought. <laughs> Just the thought. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, it can't get any worse. Yes, it can. <laughs> We will then have the cackler in chief. Oh. I can hardly the commander in chief will have the cackler in chief. Oh, gosh, I can hardly listen to the woman because she's just inco. She's as incoherent as Joe Biden is. I'm just like, come on, bring us in um, together already. Yeah. Now, did you happen to catch the video that they played of Uncle Joe with? Um, uh, 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 the um, oh my goodness, I'm I'm just losing my mind here. Uh, it was the uh, premiere of um, India. As they were playing the national anthem for India, Joe Biden started to raise his hand over his heart as if they were playing the national anthem. Oh, he could on. not even recognize the difference in the music between the national anthem and the national anthem for India. Oh, Lord. Mm. I mean, the man can't even stay on his feet. He's he's here in Colorado doing the the Air Force Academy, and he falls down and points to the ground, and there's nothing there, Joe. You, you, you tripped over your own feet. Now, the question is, is why did they have Modi there at the White House to begin with at a state-held uh, dinner? They held him there in honor. Now, excuse me, India, under his <laughs> policies, um, where he has started a huge anti-Muslim bigotry, he's not cracking down on any of that. He's allowing it to go. He's cracked down on political impo- opponents. He has proven to be more of a tyrant 
the leader of a democratically led country. Now, here we again, we have another major problem, and I swear the next time Kevin McCarthy says we're a democracy, I really do want to be oh, it. Lord help me. Lord help me. That is one of the we hardest are, things for me to hear. We are a republic, democratically led, uh, elected leaders, yes. But it comes down to we are a republic. If we were a democracy, then it would be mob rule like we see in India, which is what we see in India. 50 plus one votes gets you whatever the flavor of the month is, and flavor of the month is Modi in India. Mm. He is is one step away from true socialism in his leadership in India. That's not a republic. That is democracy. (sighs) We are a republic, folks, which means we follow a set rule of laws. And then we do not use the popular vote as much as they're trying to make us use the popular vote, mm-hmm. which rank rank voting is popular vote. And I, yes, I, it is. And this drives me crazy because the law, more I read about rank voting and how it's being pushed into play state by state, it's scary. It's scary. They can't get popular, the popular vote to go nationwide, so let's get rank voting. Mm-hmm. Any way to circumvent the republic, and, that's and yeah, all here. it is is all it is is pay to play. That's that's yeah. all it is. If you have the money, you pay the money, you get the ranking. It's 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 just insane. It is, it is, and it it, it is a popularity contest. Yeah. So that's what happens. It becomes a popularity contest. Then if it's going to be a popularity pop popularity contest um what is that tv show that simon cowell does that whoever's the most popular wins oh uh boy uh, uh oh america boy? got talent or something or oh america has talent something like that why don't we just put the, the contestants up there they're not candidates anymore they become contestants <laughs> that's true i never thought of it like that I mean, if you can sing and dance and tell jokes better than any other the candidates, be they Republican, Democrat, or even Communist, or Green Party, uh, then they get to be the governor of your state, the mayor of your town, your next senator or representative, and mm. hey, why don't we just the president? Let's see, yeah. can you sing, dance, tell jokes? Hey, or Joe. Oh, then again, we got Joe Biden being a comedy feature every single day. Lord of mercy. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just embarrassing. I cannot call the man a president. I call him the man in the White House. I think he's there. <laughs> well, you know, Sasquatch, it actually goes by Bigfoot in the chat room. I call him Sasquatch. He goes, fun facts. Number one, India has a party named Congress. <laughs> oh. Left or right, it's just the whole Congress. And there's an Indian politician his name is Stalin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. But now, if anyone was here listening and waiting, we originally had Frank Gaffney uh, scheduled for 2 o'clock, uh, which is right about now. And about an hour before we went on air, um, his gal uh, sent me a text 
and he had a scheduling change last second. He will be in on 3.15 Eastern Standard Time, New York time. So whatever time zone you're in that you're listening, just add or subtract the hours. Uh, but he will be in. He'll be in just before our Heritage Foundation guest. Uh, so, that'll be, so we have to just do <laughs> Vicky and me for the next half hour. So hey, hey. bear with us. Bear with us, folks. You know, I just I, I've always got little articles here and there. But did you catch this? Happened earlier. Uh, actually, it happened last week when um, the Tucker Carlson thing was really inflamed, and that was what led all the news. Yes. And um, News Newsmax uh, had put this article up. Fox News had put a Chiron up there. And let me see where. Uh, the Chiron had lasted for less than 30 seconds, but the effect was immediate because Fox first scolded the producer with the banner and then less than 24 hours forced him to resign. Now, the Chiron that read, and the Chiron, for who, anyone who doesn't know, that's a little banner that runs underneath the video that you watch on TV or your smart device. And the Chiron read, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. And this was all in capital letters, meaning the wannabe dictator, Joe Biden, and a political rival being Trump. And that's that took guts to do that. It took guts to do that. But Fox News got a lot of backlash now for forcing this producer to resign, and he was like their number one producer. Oh, yeah, I got it. I gotta. I gotta confess, mm-hmm. I stopped watching Fox News about five or six years ago because I saw where they were headed. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm done. You were the one spot that we conservatives thought we could go. I mean, at that time, where we thought we could go and get conservative news. And I saw things starting to change. I was like, I'm done. I'm out. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it was about that time we stopped. And Newsmax was just brand new. I mean, people didn't even know what the heck it was. But we had um, a, a service that had Newsmax on it. And I said, oh, great. And at that time, they also had One American News. And yeah. I preferred the format of Newsmax better. And we liked it. And we saw a lot of the great people on Fox now coming over to Newsmax. That's right. And God bless Newsmax for gobbling them up. Mm-hmm. Gobbling them up. And you know what? I, I'm kind of like a little stupid at times. You know, I, I even though I do my podcast, I got the video on my face people can see. And people can see, I actually got a little runner for you. It's rotating three different pictures so people can see what you look like, Vicki. Oh. So you're not just a voice that they see. And I have a little uh, up there, guest co-host and I, with your name on it so people can see. <laughs> so you're, you're I not hope a you have my good pictures. Well, you can you can look at the video later, or actually, if you go onto my web page, just make sure the volume's turned off. You can watch the live video there. Are okay. you aware of that? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I have to figure out now how I can get uh, Skype calls on here. I know that we can do that, and maybe that is how I will end up doing my broadcast using Skype. Um, uh, you and Dan are going to have to teach me how to do that. 
So okay. we'll walk it through because I use something called to listeners know how why I'm still a little of the, the caveman stage here. <laughs> something called a V mix. No, no, XSplit, XSplit. And okay. it's 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 like an OBS, uh, but I can put in banners and everything else, and I've got the camera on me, and I got the chat room open. What I like is that I can use the chat room. Uh, through uh, talk radio, but that soon will be going out the window. Well, if I can, I'll just pipe the audio in there. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. But you guys are going to be teaching me. But, guys, if you're listening, one of the reasons why I have Vicky with me, uh, my a friend Dan Perkins has got a new website up, and he and Vicky have a podcast they do. And they've invited me to be another wheel on the podcast. So yep. Vicky and I had a great conversation yesterday. We got along real well, and I said, hey, Curtis isn't here. Why don't you step in? And this lovely woman, last second, not knowing me from a hole in the wall, <laughs> why not? So yeah. she's got to be a good person if she's going to put up with me. <laughs> I mean, I could say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have the little three pictures that rotate that uh, show especially your lovely face. And uh, and we got someone calling in, and if this is uh, one of our guests or you want to make a comment, uh, just press the number one, and I know that you're here to talk to us. Otherwise, I'm assuming you're only here to listen, because I do see someone, and yes, we do. Let's bring the person in onto the show, and you're here with Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie Yabellis, the Radio Chick D, along with my guest co-host, Vicki Tompkins. To whom am I speaking? Hi, this is Barbara Bonarigo. Ah, oh. well, Curtis told me you'd be here at one thirty, but that's fine. Because uh, we got a little extra half hour, so Curtis made made me think that you're going to be here earlier. So I'm glad you are here. So welcome aboard. Well, thank you so much for having me. Sorry about the oh. time confusion. Oh no, we'll yell at Curtis later on. Yeah, I can always <laughs> beat him up. <laughs> I'm allowed to. <laughs> All right. Well, now. Uh, you have a very interesting story, and one of the things we've been talking about every week, especially with members from the Heritage Foundation, is about immigration. And you came here and did it the right way. And in the state of Florida where you live, you do have an illegal immigration problem because you are – actually, all 50 states are a border state, but even more so because you've got more seacoast than any other state. Um how, what do you say to someone that wants to come here illegally compared to you having to do it the legal way? Well, quite honestly, you know, because I did it the right way, it's kind of like a slap in the face for people like myself that did it the correct way, that went through all the channels, you know, by uh, getting screened health-wise because I had to do like a – uh, x-rays of my lungs and uh, doctor's appointments and making sure that I didn't bring any diseases with me. And uh, I had to do a rigorous, uh, um, like for, uh, you know, for America, I had to know all the states. I had to know English. I had to learn all of that. I had a book that I had to study. So it's kind of not the right way. So it, it's kind of like a hypocritical in a way because, you know, in one way, you're supposed to do it legal, and in the other way, you know, 
kind of the government tells you, well, but it's okay to come illegally in as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you because most people, once they graduate high school today, I don't think they can name all 50 states. I don't think they have ever once read through the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, much less the Magna Carta or even the Ten Commandments. Uh, but here, you do it legally, and yet we as American citizens take our citizenship for granted and don't know one-tenth of what you can repeat. Right. I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and this is where I found my love for America, especially when I was at the in Orlando at the immigration hall, you can say. And there was hundreds of people. And when the gentleman up front, I don't know who he was, and he said finally, he said, uh, you know, welcome home, and uh, you are now an American citizen. And that was the greatest joy in my in my life, besides having my children and being married. But uh, it made me so proud that I said, you know, I really want to do something for this country. And ever since, I've been just giving back and, uh, you know, doing numerous things, especially like right now I'm actually running for city commissioner. So I think it's really important for children nowadays as well. We really should emphasize the importance of being an American, what it means to be an American. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that they don't understand. Um, we have a woke society, and yeah. it, instead of doing what we were based upon, freedom of speech, uh, freedom yeah. of religion, freedom to protest your government and seek redress, uh, these freedoms, even for self-defense in the Second Amendment, and all of a sudden, whatever the flavor of the month is, whatever a, a portion of our society, maybe less than 10%, decides to be the new social norm, that goes in place. And everything else that we stood upon, everything else our forefathers stood upon and fought to bring here to this most unique land in the world, gets tossed out the window. That's got Absolutely. to break your heart. Absolutely, and this is why I will never give up till the day I basically, till the last breath I take, I will fight for the rights and for the freedoms, you know, that we so much can thank for our our fathers, you know, founding fathers, and they should have, they cannot have died in vain. And for me, this is why it's so important to keep it up and to, you know, I taught it to our children, and now they're telling their children how important it is really to be an American. This is the last America. It's the last frontier, the freedom that we so much enjoy. And there's no other country in the world that is like America. America is so unique, and America is beautiful. And the people of America are the, the greatest people in, in the world. I mean, look what, what we have accomplished in 250 years. So, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And no other country in the world has done what we have done in America in, in such a short period of time. And so we got to just emphasize and, and keep saying, keep the message out there and keep never, never, ever give up for more because we are better and we are more than you know, the media is telling us or, or some of the politicians, you know, America is beautiful 
And we just have to always remember that. And we have to remember our founding fathers and the people that have died and still are dying for our freedom. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Now, Vicki, um, you are your, your chair for your, your local GOP, county GOP. And here uh, Barbara is running for her council, her city commission. I, or Mine Beach, I know the area. I actually have some friends living down there, many times driven down the coastline with through Ormond Beach, so I know how beautiful it is. What advice would you give, Vicki, to Barbara to help her obtain the seat? Well, hello, Barbara, and thank you so much. Uh, we were talking about this earlier you know, seeing more women involved in running for office. And I got to tell you, running for office is not an easy thing. It is time-consuming. It is emotionally draining. It is physically draining at times. And the one thing that I can say is just be who you are. Just watching people who are running for office, I have seen people uh, acquiesce and be something that they're not uh, to please a certain group of people who said, oh, we'll get behind you if you do this. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I just advise just be who you are. Don't let people change you. Stand up for what you believe. And don't kowtow to people who want you to, to get rid of your principles. Because I think that's one of the first things that people do when they get into politics. They run uh-huh. on this very conservative platform and then they Mm -hmm. get in there and they vote like democrats it's like give me a break (laughs) yeah 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 i agree i totally agree thank you so much and uh uh, that is a very great advice and you know um i'm i'm a little bit older too in my life i'm almost 60 years old so and i have actually run uh three years ago i ran in a county council and i've learned so much from that yes that this time, you know, again, I won't give up, and I will never, ever change. And that's why, too, sometimes, you know, you win some and you lose some, and it's okay. That's right. You know, you just keep sticking to your, how you say in English, like to your gun, I guess. You know, yeah. you, you, just, <laughs> you just keep pushing and you keep going forward and you keep to yourself, you true to yourself. Always be true to yourself because if you're true to yourself, you're true to others, and then you're always going to do the right thing, you know. And and thankfully, I, I thank God every day that placed me here to America. There was a reason to come here to this country, and I found, you know, like when you, you know, when you 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 always. Some people seek always, you know, they seek something in their life and they never really know what to do or what to be. This is my calling. And it's always been, and I always was wondering, you know, why was I here? Why am I here? And this is the reason. I just keep pushing. I, you know, I do things like I'm on three uh, boards right now on the city commission. And right now I put on the agenda of the uh, leisure services a tennis center that is actually <laughs> needs some refurbishing, let's put it mildly. And, um, you know, you just, I just won't give up. So I just, uh, we had a path through the leisure services, and now we got to have the commissioners to approve it with the ECHO fund. And we have the funds to approve it because, you know, we want to keep our recreation. So at the end of the day, you know, this is my calling, 
and this is what I will do, and I will always, always, because I'm so grateful to this nation, to this country, do the right thing. I will always try. Will I always do? I don't know. You know, again, the, the, the good Lord up there, you know, he will guide me, and yeah. I will just follow that and, and just keep moving, and, uh, and that's it. But thank you so much for your advice. It was very nice. Yeah, well, I wish you every success. Uh, we need strong people like you in these positions of authority because we have seen people who have no mm-hmm. backbone uh, yep. trying to make decisions for us. And to have a person like you who has that conviction, who has that love and and thankfulness for America. And, I mean, I'm not an, an immigrant, but I can tell you I'm so thankful to have been born in America and mm-hmm. uh, be able to see many of the benefits of just being free. Free yeah. to, if I want to walk down the road or go into a store, yeah. I can do that without having to get permission. You know, yeah. so I, I appreciate you stepping up and uh, putting you. yourself out there. Thank you so well, much. You know, I really appreciate that. I, I have always said that politics are all local. It starts all locally. And I said you have to pay attention even to when you vote for dog catcher uh, because mm-hmm. what you do on the local level does go up. It trickles yep. upward, believe it or not. Um, and one of the things, now, I live in a, a tourist town here in South Carolina. Uh, Vicki, you're in a tourist area of the Colorado Springs, and Ormond Beach is a huge tourist area. So how do you balance issues dealing with tourism as to your local growth, businesses, uh, and needs? Um, is there? What I'm trying to find is how do you maintain the beauty and everything that attracts people to Ormond Beach without being adversely affecting the local residents? You're asking me? Yes. So, you know, well... Well, basically what I'm doing right now, you know, the recreational and the museum part, I think that's what you are asking, is very important because also for people that are coming from out of town. Like right now, I'm I'm in Daytona 1, and we're hanging out over here, and we have this great little park in here, and this is great for, for tourists, but also for people. And, you know, we also have the motorcycle, the bike weeks, and... and uh, and the race weeks and all of that. And we need to embrace that. This is who we are. This is the, the birth place of racing, Ormond Beach, yes. especially. So, yes, uh, we, we drove the beach. We drove the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, why not embrace it and, and be who we are and, and love who we are, just like who we are as people. So, and if we do that and we accept that, you know, everyone is welcome. You know, I mean, Florida is a great place to live. But I tell always my my friends that are saying, oh, so how is it down there? I say, oh, terrible. The border is up. Our governor is not allowing anyone anymore to come. <laughs> but no, you know, we just have growing pains right now in, in our area, especially in Volusia County. And so this is the problem we're having is the infrastructure. And so the homes are just being built, 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 and mm. the infrastructure is just lacking. So uh, this is where we have to find a balance, and we will find it. It's just a great place to live, you know. 
Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I know the area very well, and if I had a choice in Florida, that would be an area I would go to. Uh, yeah. Don't put me down into Fort Lauderdale, not into Miami, and please keep me away from Palm Beach. <laughs> Going down <laughs> I-95 around Palm Beach, be prepared yeah. for bumper to bumper yeah. because it's, it's, it's a nightmare. If you can go around it, take <laughs> yeah. 17. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree, I agree. Well, anyway, um, again, be, because you've got very similar problems that we have here, uh, with this massive growth in building, um, every time we hear uh, we need new roads, we need this, we need that, uh, then the next thing we know, a referendum is put on the ballot for mm-hmm. more taxes, asking us to build more roads and bridges and things like that. How do you control that? Because when I moved here into Beaufort County, which is home to Hilton Head, um, mm-hmm. the taxes were only 4%. We are yeah. now up at eight percent. I fled New yeah. York at eight yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. So how well, do you, how do you do the infrastructure without hurting the tax base? You, well, you keep the money here. You know we're paying taxes, and the taxes go up to Tallahassee. We got to have good people, senators and representatives uh, of the state that are representing us here in Volusia County that bring the money back to us, and that's what we're doing right now. And uh, they're actually doing a pretty good job. We have everything approved by our governor and to be built. So that's how we get our money without raising our property tax or sales tax. Wow. Well, I, I know what it's like to fight a sales tax because two election cycles ago, they tried to do two referendums that would explode our sales taxes. And through my Tea Party, we had massive demonstrations, took out half-page ads and everything to fight them. Uh, But sometimes the commission will sneak something in just before an election, and you don't have time to fight it. Would you then be on the board to prevent such an action? Because that's exactly what they did to us this last election cycle. They slipped it in two months before the actual uh, election, and there was no time to fight it. Exactly, and that's the sneaky part, and which I'm not for at all. That part, I'm not for it because, you know, to do it so quickly, and then they throw in, they basically have like a main uh, main thing saying, okay, we're going to do this, but then they have all these little things underneath it, and people don't read it, and then they just say yes. So I'm actually not going to vote for something like that in that quick of a time, because I think people should really have a lot of more time to think about it, really, and educate themselves on anything raising. It's, it's just like, you know, at home, when you make a budget, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. Or when you are as a business, you know, I'm a business owner myself. I make my, my budget, and if I have money left over the end of the year, I'm like, okay, well, I have money left over. Maybe I don't need that much money. Maybe we can save some money. Maybe we don't need to, you know, we can put money back into the company, things like that. That's what I'm more interested in is, you know, to figure out how the budget can work in a way where we can say, okay, why are we always increasing the budget anyway? We don't have to always increase the budget. Why not put some of that money down to the taxpayers and, you know, say, okay, well, this year we didn't have to pay that. Now we're going to lower maybe your water 
and, uh, you know, your water and garbage or your your property tax or, you know, because really that's what the property appraiser does. He go, you know, the city goes to the property appraiser and says, okay, we have this much to spend. That's the budget. Well, if we have less budget, then we have less property taxes, right? Yep. So that's, that's what I would be. like to do. Yeah, well, uh, that's how it should be. be. <laughs> the way I'm going to vote. <laughs> yeah, most politicians don't think like that. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way I I I I work since I lived here for 35 years, and and prior to that, I've always done you know budgeting. I have a business degree uh, from Germany, and you know I've always even in our company, and we always had pluses. Regardless, even if our budget was smaller or bigger, you know, we got to always think about that because the budget means it's the people's money. That's who we're right. playing with. It's our money, really. That's right. And what do you want it? So if, if, if I personally don't want to spend something or I, you know, in my, in my company, well, then why would I do it differently on the city commission or the county or the representative or, or up, up, up? That's right. I know it gets more complicated, you know, as you are, because you have to work with people. But I think I have shown also with my leadership that I can work with people. We we just passed anonymously. Sorry, it's a hard word for me. Uh, at the at the, <laughs> at the leisure services, eight to zero, you know, to get this built, this building for the tennis. So I've I've shown, you know, leadership skills. And I think I will do the same at the city commission. And I think people will listen, you know, uh, you know, the, my peers and constituents. And I will listen to my constituents especially. Yes. I have found that people who are business owners or former business owners who actually wrote paychecks instead of just took yep. a paycheck uh, yep. have more of a grasp of how government should work. I think that's why right. Donald Trump was so successful because yep. you understand checks and balance. You understand you don't just get to change your budget because you want something. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to make sure that money is coming in. And I know here locally, many of the people who are involved in politics who are running for these different positions have never owned a business. They've never had a job outside of politics. And that's why they make these poor decisions, because they don't understand what right. the average person is going through. They go from college into politics, and all they know is politics, so they have no clue of yeah. how the, a person has to run their household, because most men don't deal with budgets like the women do, and, yeah. <laughs> and how uh, an organization should work, because they've never written a paycheck to anybody. And Absolutely. so, um, so I always, I kind of gravitate toward people who get that. So I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm surprised that we don't have more, more people, women or men, in, in, uh, you know, leadership roles that are business owners. Because, like you said, you know, you put it in a perfect way. You know, like you know, check and balance, and that's really what. Any commission does, any government, any business, anything at home. You know, you just take that from one place to the next place to the next, and that's really what you do. That's so, right. yeah, you're right. And, it, and at home, 
if you've spent all the money in the budget for the month, you're done. Yeah. In the politics, oh, let's just print more. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how let's this works. Credit. Let's do more credit. It's like me, you know, <laughs> like I have one credit card and I pay it off every 30 days. So I do yep. it because I get points, you know. So I do it <laughs> a smart way, you know. But That's I right. get something for spending something. When you know what you're doing, then it's easy to do it. You know, but if you have, like you said, people that have never done it at work for someone that have never even, you know, wrote out payroll, you know, to other people or vendors, uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, you you have to do all of those things. Uh, It's it's, it's not complicated if you have done it. And like, you know, myself, I've done it for so many years. Yeah, I'm very surprised that we don't have more business owners in leadership roles. It's amazing. Well, I want to change this just a little bit because we got only a few minutes left. Um, Yeah. I've I've been finding that the DEI, the diversity, equity, inclusion, has been creeping into government and their policies, along with the ESGs uh, for investments, whether it's into pension or into money that you're holding in the general fund. How would you prevent that from happening? What would what is your stance on that? You know, uh, it, it's it's not a tricky thing. It just comes back to the same old, same old. You know, you just check, you know, your wants and your needs. What do you need? What do you want? And and not only that, you know, why do we have to have it in there? Those are all questions. I would just ask a lot of questions, find it out, and then make a, a reasonable decision. You know, I'm not you know, in that position yet, so I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I definitely will investigate it more because, again, I'm more for, you know, sticking to the budget, sticking to what we have, what we want, you know, so that's really my answer to that. All right, well, one thing I've noticed, because uh, I county council sees me sitting in the audience and they go, oh, shit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But what I'm finding is that a lot of times when people come before their commissioner or council, they're being silenced. Uh, Would you prevent that from occurring, allowing people to give their views so that you know what the people actually want better? That's the most important. That's actually what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm emailing, I'm putting on Facebook, I'm putting everywhere for people to voice their opinion about the tennis center. Because how many times have we seen this little yellow sign that goes up and it says, you know, that there's going to be a developer. I want to prevent that before it even happens. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm going out and I'm like, look, you're the residents, you're the voters, you got to help me. I'm only going to be one vote. You got to come in there and you got to voice your opinion and you have your three minutes and please show up in numbers. That's the only way that we're all going to listen to you is by showing up because if nobody shows up, guess what? The developer will show up and then there's going to be a building built and then everybody's going to complain, but not, nobody did anything. So I'm going to just get them all in and, and get them going and uh, have their three minutes in front and I don't care how many people are going to, everybody that's going to want to speak can speak. It's just, that's our, our right, freedom of speech. Well, if I lived down there, you'd get my vote. 
I'm trying to figure out how the heck I can con- convince you to migrate up here to Beaufort <laughs> County and run for a seat in my county council. No, come all the way up to Colorado. Let's do that. Come on out west. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do it all. I do all three. Florida, Colorado, and North Carolina or South Carolina? Oh, no, I'm South, South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina, okay. I'll do North Carolina, too. Why not? <laughs> well, I always joke because North Carolina pronounces the name of the town, even though it's spelled the same way, the wrong way. We say Beaufort, they say Beaufort. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> well, it yeah. has been such a pleasure, Barbara, and I, I'm wishing you a heck of a lot of luck uh, on your run. Now, I noticed that there's no—it's it, not a, a party seat. It's not running right. as a rep- Republican or Independent or right. Democrat. Right, it's a nonpartisan race. Yes. Yeah. So I will be working with every, even with the other side, because the end of the day, we're all, all Americans. And I really want to bring America back. And even if it is only in my little town, I want everyone to know that Barbara Bonarigo stands for America. And America is first. And then, of course, you know, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. That's who I chose, and that's who I am. Now, if you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat. That's okay, too. I just I, I love to hear them because I want to know how is everybody thinking? How maybe some of their thoughts could be used? I don't know. Maybe independent, the same, because that's what I was first. I didn't know who to belong to, so I was an independent. And independents usually, I believe, they lean more towards the right than the left, uh, because they are, you know, to live and let live, you know. Right. So yeah, I think. Well, where where can people find you and help support your campaign? So uh, very easy. It's dot www dot bonarigo b o n a r r i g o dot org. That's it. That's my well, website. I, you can find me there. You can fill out a form. You can help. You can volunteer. You can give me some uh, ideas and concerns. Whatever you like to do. Well, there is a link up on the show page, so when people listen to it in the archive, as they're listening to you, they can click on the link and go directly to your site. Barbara, thank you very much, and good luck, and God bless. Thank you. God bless you. God bless America. Goodbye. Amen. God bless America. Bye-bye. All right. Oh, Vicki, we looks like we got our next victim up on the line, but the phone number is not matching, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm just hoping that this is who I think it is. And this should be Karen England. If it is, say hello. Hey, hello. Sorry, I've got a few phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't give them all to me, but that, I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, let me get your paperwork up here and switch the video so that people see your lovely face. And... You have an organization called Capital Resource Institute, uh, but you're also known as a kitchen table activist. Uh, tell us about your podcast. Well, yes. Yeah, so we, um, I've been doing um, a politics from my kitchen table, getting active, starting with school boards for about 27 years. And so I decided last year to start a podcast to help all of these different mom groups and people that are, you know, trying to get active 
and take some of the mystery away of engaging in your government. So we created the Kitchen Table Activist along with um, a really great um, printable, all free uh, notebook. So as you listen to the podcast and I talk about how a bill becomes a law, I give you resources for whatever state you're in so that you can develop your own kitchen table activist notebook. I talk about, you know, how to file a public records request or a FOIA. And we have all 50 FOIAs for every state that you can download and put into your own activist planner. And so That's it's awesome. for, you know, a citizen, you know, we talk about school boards. I talk about how to find out what's going on at your school board. And we've got a download where you enter all of your school board contact information. So you've got it all right there whenever you're going to need it when you get active. So that, that was the kind of um, vision behind Kitchen Table Activists. And so we did several episodes, and we're getting ready to launch another another section of that so people could continue to, to build their their own kitchen table activist binder. Wow. Wow. I wish I had that when we started the tea party back in 2009. <laughs> I, I did know that's right. Well, yeah. And I, and I, you know, and for, for some people, you know, some moms are really busy at home. They might re- not really get to use it for a year or two, and it might take them a while to go through all the podcasts. Or you might want to listen to them all at once and start building your notebook. But it's important. I wanted to take away the mystery and all the years, you know, that I spent making mistakes and believing the other side. I wanted to kind of cut through all of that so that we're much more effective this time around when we're engaging in our government. That's awesome. That's really cool because one of the things that I have noticed, this is Vicki Tompkins, one of the things I have noticed here locally just working within the party uh, is training. People don't know what they don't know. And giving them information to help them be more engaged and more of a a knowledgeable voter, it's amazing how it makes a world of difference. So I applaud what you're doing because people want to help. They want to be engaged. They want to be involved. But they don't know what they don't know. Yes, they, and they don't, and they don't know where where to go and who to trust. And and I mean, not every you know, just because you you're a Republican, you might not be trustworthy. On, That's right. You know how to go about making effective change. And so, I just really was passionate about, still am, you know, helping the parents especially, but grandparents and citizens. And one of our podcasts on. Um, the pornography and obscenity in schools. Mm, so yeah. many people that are going to their school boards don't realize that most schools, 43 states, exempt school libraries from obscene material. And so it's mm. having information like that. You've got to have, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you, But you've got to have that information because the other side knows it. And so when you go up there and just demand something be removed or you want to bring charges, we're not sounding very smart. It, we're actually showing the fact that we don't know what we're doing, that, that schools are actually exempt from obscenity laws. Yeah. And so it, it's that kind of stuff that just it's taken years to learn that I wanted to be able to, you know, pass that on. That's wow, powerful. That, I, 
that, that, that I was not aware of. The schools were exempt from obscenity laws. Um, you said in 48 states. I'm just wondering, well, maybe 40, that's why we are having 43. Because I'm wondering if that's why in our county we're having a fight with school books being obscene. And we presented them with 50 books. And so far, I think they got through about maybe three or four, and they put them back on the shelves. So it's very interesting that I, most people don't realize that. And you have that no. all, but you, you have that at your Capital Resource website, correct? So we have the podcast and have that, and I did a podcast on obscenity. But we also have branched out. We have a new website, com, And on that, we, we put together a toolkit, and that will be what I'm launching. I'll be going through the toolkit and the podcast. And it explains how to go about getting things removed, the language you should use. Um, we actually have a model policy that we work with several legal groups to get um, produced so that right now, I don't know what it's like in your school district, but it's, it's very um, stacked against the community and it's usually the principal and the librarian and the same people that thought the books were okay in the first place, making the decision whether or not to keep it on the shelf. And so we're encouraging school boards to pass a policy that puts the, the power back in the hands of the parents and the elected officials, the school boards, to make those decisions on obscenity. Absolutely. Wow. And you said the new website is porninschools.com? Yes. And you can get there from Capital Resource Institute as well, and the Kids' right, well, Digital I, Activist. Well, I, I have the link on the show page with your name, and all they do is just click on Capital Resource Institute. It'll take them to capitalresource.org, which is the actual website. And you're really heavily involved uh, in following all these things, and we're finding that now we have what uh, Walter Hyatt called sex change regret coming from these kids. Now, it's one thing when you do it as an adult, but when you have it for a child that hasn't even yet hit puberty, um, there are heavy repercussions here. Oh, they are, they are very serious uh, repercussions. And what people don't understand, and Walt Hire is an awesome, awesome on this issue, what people don't understand, even puberty blockers, they were never designed for any sort of long-term use. It was to delay, not stop, delay puberty for someone who's on early onset. And yeah. so they, they keep claiming all of this is so safe, but there are no studies about the long-term use of it because it was never used long-term until recently. And so, and now they're just pumping our kids with them left and right. Um, Schools are transitioning kids without parents knowing about it. I mean, it has gotten crazy. And this is not just in blue states. Um, this kind of stuff is happening in red states, too. Mm. Yeah, because now some of these, these kids, as they get older, are now instituting lawsuits, and rightly so, because uh, they don't realize that um, if you're a young woman and you decide to have your breasts removed, uh when you become a young adult, uh, there's no chance of you ever having children. And the mm. converse goes also with men who decide, males who decide that they're actually females, they cannot produce offspring either. So what we're doing is killing off generations in the future. Oh, 
Absolutely. And Kaiser, I think you were referencing this, but about two weeks ago, Kaiser in California just um, a a person who had transitioned at the age of, I believe she was 13 and had her breasts cut off, is is suing Kaiser. And that's the second lawsuit against Kaiser. Um, I think about that because she's now, she's, I think, 19. How long ago that was that they just chopped her breasts off? I mean, this has been going on for a while, and people, it's just really getting the attention. And red states need to know they're not safe. You know, it was just in Tennessee last year where it was exposed that Vanderbilt was doing this. And so, um, you know, it's going on everywhere. The left have infiltrated every institution. Yes. They have. But I, I said this on my previous show that uh, we're fighting them with abortion. We're saying pro-choice is a choice. Uh, I, I created a T-shirt because my mom wanted to do a, a prayer protest where everyone stood on the corner, on the major corner with a sign uh, promoting pro-choice, pro-life, I mean, pro-life. And I had a T-shirt I designed and made. I think I'm going to put it on my website. And it's a Madonna holding a baby. And it said, I thank God my mother chose life. And you think about that. And if they're promoting pro-choice and we're fighting back and they're finding Planned Parenthood is losing customers and we're having more children being born, what better way, if you can't get them aborted at the beginning, than destroy their life at the end so they still do not produce more children? This is really a sick way of looking at it, but it is the truth. You can't get them before they're born, get them after they're born. Yes, and Planned Parenthood, they have moved into the um, hormones, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to use the firm, I'm not going to use gender affirming, because if you're affirming your gender, you're not changing it. Um, That's right. So Planned Parenthood, losing customers, they've they've gone in and partnered with Big Pharma and in this whole gender, um, changing kids' genders, which you cannot do. You cannot Mm -hmm. change someone's gender. It is a lie. Yeah, and I I think one one of the things that I have looked at, Karen, over the years is this progression that we are seeing in this sexualization of children. I mean, that that's what it is. And uh, this whole thing of changing your gender, you can't. You cannot biologically change your gender. And for me, and I could be seeing this totally wrong, but for me, this is just another way to get God out of America because if you know that you were born a woman but you don't like that and you want to change it, you're saying, oh, well, God made a mistake. He doesn't know what he's doing anyway type of thing. So all You're this- also, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're also putting yourself, you're putting yourself in the powerful position and holy position of God by saying, I yes. can, I'm changing this. You're equating yes. yourself with that. And so I t- totally agree with you that all of the sexualization stuff is for um, t- the decline of the family, America, yes. and an in your face at God. It is, it is um, very demonic when you really get down to it. And yeah, it is, um, it, they're trying to destroy America and, and they're on their way. And this is a part of that whole uh, trying to control the population as well because 
you know, like you were saying earlier, if he, you, you cause these children not to be able to have uh, more children when they, when they become, uh, you know, adults, then you just sterilized half the population or how many of the, of the population that's going through all of this. And it can't be changed. It can't be reversed. You've destroyed that whole aspect of their lives. You know, these young girls who realize now I could never breastfeed. I could never uh, have that experience, you know, as a mom. And so uh, it's really sad. And it's a shame that these children have to go through this and now uh, come back and say, I made a mistake. And they're not really being heard. I mean, the, the media is not going to cover it because they're pushing the other end of it to get this done. Well, you know, yeah. it, it, it brings me back to, I'm going to show my age again, a movie that came out, I don't know if it was the late 60s, early 70s, called Logan's Run. And it got to the point where if the child was not aborted and the child was born, it was put separate in a separate area. Uh, it was no, no human contact, no mother to their, no family to raise the child. The child was raised by the state. Mm. And you had a series of caregivers uh but at the age of 21 you were considered too old and then you voluntarily ascended to commit suicide wow. uh, it was an interesting movie logan's run uh but it took our society to the point where even at the age of 21 you're considered too old and you're no longer worthwhile to society it's i mean this is a premise that a slippery slope we're starting to go down I mean, yeah. is it the pro-choice to abort the child? Uh, if that doesn't work, then gender-altering, uh, then you cannot produce a child. And now, with Obamacare, if anyone bothered to read the original bills, both the Senate and the House, and Nancy Pelosi, I read them both, um, <laughs> if you were up to the age of 16, when it came to medical care, it was questionable. If you were over the age where you were no longer productive, when at the age of 60, actually I think they had it at 55, then again, care can be withheld from you because now you're no longer someone that is a productive unit. And they don't call you a person, a unit in society. So care could be also denied for you. Uh, here, again, Logan's run. You reach a certain age, you're no longer useful, and bye-bye. But this is it. We are disposable to this society, and this is what we have to fight. And, Karen, that is what you're fighting. We are not disposable. We are unique individuals. We are made in the image of God. We are not God. And God does not make mistakes, so just get over it and live with it. Yeah. yeah, and that's, I will say, the, the good thing about COVID is that it did wake people up. And I do feel this is a winning issue that most people have had enough with all this sexualization of our kids. And finally standing up, you know, you're seeing it even in, in places like California where they've taken over school boards. And parents, you know, are just finding out about comprehensive sex ed that was passed you know, eight years ago, and they're demanding that, that it be stopped. And so, again, America is waking up, and I just hope they continue to push back and say, not with my kids, not with my tax dollars, and they continue to have a voice in this battle. Yes. Well, you started this journey um, 
believe it or not, um, when you became, began homeschooling. And from that, you morphed into uh, something you call City on the Hill, dealing with high school students. What is it that you've got out there? I mean, you're, you're a busy well, lady. Well, um, I love what I do, and I'm blessed that the Lord has called me. I have no idea what he was thinking um, because I'd never been involved in government or anything like that prior to any of this. But starting next week, we've been doing this for 36 years. We have a City on the Hill Youth Leadership Conference for 14- to 18-year-olds, and we host in California. Next year we're hoping to have one in Tennessee. And the kids come, and they're part of a, um, one, of the, one of the political parties, a patriot or a constitutionalist, and they literally go through running for office. They go through um, having their bill passed, having other people oppose their bill. At night, we, well, we bring in speakers throughout the day, and then at night we do worldview and worship and Bible study, and then the next day we start all over with, you know, speakers and media and from the legislature. Um, it's, it's a different, people don't understand that, or, or they're, I, I think we're just realizing that Christians had withdrawn from certain areas like politics and yep. Hollywood and and, and we've left others to occupy that, and we need to get back and occupy. And so give them a look at what that might look like, um, whether it's journalism or doing what others do or running for school boards. And those are colleges, too, and that the Lord has purpose in that for them and their life. So we're trying to expose kids to, you know, that world. That's good. <laughs> Well, you know, um, there's so much to talk about with you, Karen, because, you know, you've got out there now businesses that have gone woke, uh, swimsuits that are made for male genitalia, but you're wearing a swimsuit like a woman, Uh, beer that is being promoted by an individual of questionable uh, sexuality. Uh, Our woke businesses. And now kids are going out there, and I'm sorry, we're also a commercial society. Uh, They want the latest and hottest craze out there. Uh, People are still buying Nike sneakers that are being made by slave labor in China, and I don't get it. Uh, How do we battle this woke commercialism? Well, I do think, again, we're in a little bit of a different time. It's really, I mean, it's hard. and you guys are probably in the same situation, I would have to boycott pretty much everything in life because I know, I I mean, so it, it, but the target boycott worked. The Anheuser-Busch worked. And so I think, you know, being selective in those, I think we are going to see a shift as this continues to happen where, you know, the nation, you know, jumps on something even, you know, how Garth Brooks came out over the beer and then he's, you know, it's, it's been a problem for him, um, after, you know, in, in his bar here in, in Nashville. And so I think people are standing up and I'm hoping that it, it's going to start getting corporations to start rethinking their allegiance and their loyalty and they're promoting things that are against everything their customers want. Yep. You know, uh, I made an observation, and, and Vicki, you probably appreciate this. We have one day 
that we remember, Memorial Day, that we remember those that went before us, that fought for this nation. And mm-hmm. yet, instead of having a whole month remembering them and then honoring you could have whole groups, you know, like our revolutionary heroes, our founding fathers, the Civil War. Uh, we can go through each stage of our change in our country's moral core and look at for those heroes that helped keep the founding principles alive and fought for them. But instead, we have a whole month, a pride month. Yeah. For less than 1% of our segment of our society, but now they're trying to make it all of our society? I, I, <laughs> How, Vicky, what do, what do we do? Well, this is what I find interesting, you know, because uh, Karen was just mentioning, you know, about God and, and, and the different things that are going on. One of the things that God hates above many things, if you read the scripture, it says pride is one of those. And so uh, my, my team, you know, because I'm the chair here in El Paso County, uh, our team decided that we were not going to, of course, celebrate Pride Month. So we have what we're calling American Patriot Month. And so uh, every day, my vice chair is looking for an American hero and is posting that on our Facebook page. And we've, we've made a section on our website as well to promote those who sacrifice for America to keep America free. And so uh, this, this again, this, this everything is not about sex, and they're making everything about sex, and it's to destroy our children. And uh, we just decided we were not going to have that happen, and I made it very clear uh, in my emails that I sent out to our con- con- constituents that, no, we're not celebrating Pride Month. We're celebrating patriots who have sacrificed uh, ultimately uh, everything for America. And I think we the reason that part of the reason the sexualization has been quote unquote successful is because they came in first of all uh, trying to destroy who America is in the eyes of children that they should be proud to be an American, that they should be proud to be born in the freest nation in the world. Uh, And now they've made it all about we were founded on the backs of slaves, which is insane for people to even open their mouths and say that. Um, So all of this stuff is in tandem with their agenda. And it's sad to see, but it's time for us to say enough. Like you were saying, Karen, enough. Wow, absolutely. I love that idea. It looks like she was like reading my mind. No wonder why I get along with you so well, Vicki. We're thinking too much alike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're in our third week of doing that, and we have gotten so much positive feedback, so much gratitude from people that we're actually presenting people who have made significant sacrifices for our country. Wow, that's amazing. You know, uh, uh, Karen, on your website, you do have a great thing where you do follow legislation that's going on. And on the left coast, uh, maybe it might not fall off into the uh, Pacific Ocean, but California voters are supporting a parent's rights by overwhelming margins. Uh, 
are we making headway, Karen? Are we finally seeing this start to turn? Well, again, it's the parents that rose up. So what that that is about, we um, in in California, and most most states are doing this. California is just very upfront. They're socially transitioning your kids at school and not telling the parents. Yeah. So there was a piece of legislation brought forward, but the Democrats wouldn't even give it a hearing that said, hey, you've got to notify the parents in a reasonable amount of time if you're transitioning their child, if the child wants to go by another name or use the facilities of another gender. And so it didn't even get a hearing. So we worked with uh, a couple of other groups. We've got a California Parental Rights Coalition, and we came up with a policy that we put forth and we introduced it a couple of weeks ago in Chino Valley where they, they just took over their school board and have a majority. And we introduced it and on July 20th, we're going to pass the policy. What we can't get done at the state level, we're gonna encourage local school boards to pass and protect parental rights. And so that'll be the first in the nation that passes something like that that says, you know, if you're gonna transition our kid, you've got three days to tell us you're doing it. Oh, I love it. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Keep us posted this, on that. Yeah. Capitalresource.org yeah. is where everything is. Any that can be used wow. in any state. Uh, we, we chose to go with California because this is a school board that we had just recently, you know, conservatives took over. And California is very upfront, and the Department of Education is encouraging school districts to not tell parents. Uh, but, but school districts all across the nation are doing this. And so no matter where your listeners are, they can go look at that policy and um, implement it at their, their school district before they start transitioning your kids without parents knowing. And uh, how are you working with homeschoolers now? Well, um, our, our youth camp is a lot of homeschoolers, um, and I was a homeschooler. Well, I homeschooled our, our last daughter, and so we really just, I mean, it, it's interesting. Homeschoolers tend to be the ones that are most politically active about what's going on in the public schools. Um, I, I have found that throughout my entire 27 years of, of being engaged. And so we obviously pay attention to legislation that, that would infringe on a parental's rights when it comes to anything regarding education, which educating at home falls under that. And so we work a lot and coalition a lot with homeschoolers. Wow. You know, I have a friend of mine. She just posted up on Facebook, uh, Inez, and she wrote, um, we are a totally different time. Many years ago, the 1970s, uh, I had a business named Rainbow Sales. They have taken God's beautiful rainbow mm. and twisted it into something we don't even want to be associated with. So sad. Yes. Yes. Wow. Because yes, the rain, God's rainbow is a is is a promise, and the pride, what they're doing with pride is is totally against anything God. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Well, Vicky, thank you for the hard work you do. God bless you. And you know, uh, we've got to get information about Capital Resource out to a lot more people so they can go and check out all the things that you're doing there and the assets that you're offering them for free, uh, the other things that you're doing with kids to help promote uh, patriotism and love of country and God. It's fantastic. Wonderful. I mean, I'm, I'm 
talking to people that they're, they're ever ready bunny. I call myself the ever ready bunny, but I feel like I'm doing nothing compared to what you're doing. You yeah. you, you make me shameful. <laughs> That's how I feel too, Anna. <laughs> no, we all have a role to pay, play. We're all different parts of the body, and and we just do what we're called to do. Yes, yes. And matter of fact, you reminded me that I have to see if I can get Walt Hire back on the show because I got him when he first put out his first book. When all of his the work he just started, it's been quite a couple of years now, and he does great work in helping people learn the truth about you know this transgenderism and the harm it's doing people. Absolutely. Well, well, Karen, God I bless. appreciate you because uh, well, I have a lot of people you. here here in uh, Colorado who are working on these school boards to stop some of this. So I'm definitely going to be sharing uh, your Capital Resource Institute uh, website as, as well as the, what is that, porns in, porn in schoolscom oh, porn yes. Yeah. And so she I'll also be sharing that with people here. Yeah, C-O-T-H, my goodness, she's got so many, so many things on her website that people, you can spend a whole day on there and still not get enough of what you need to work with because there's even more. You'll be going 48 hours straight. (laughs) That's a good thing for you, Karen. It's a good thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me. Well, thank you, Karen, and keep up the good work. And people can find you at capitalresource.org where you have everything, including the podcast. And we'll be talking again. All right. God bless. Okay. Karen England. And, oh, oh sorry about that, Vicki. Uh, she popped off, and I accidentally put you on mute. You're back again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing what she's doing. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely amazing. Because uh, I was poking around the website as I was doing my notes, and uh, I'm saying, holy cow, and I'm making little tations, like, see, I hit the podcast, the website goodies, high school students with City on the Hill, and I have all these little, and I told you I put, like, a word here, a word there, <laughs> and then just go from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, wait. Uh, we're waiting for Mike Hill to call in. Hopefully he will. Uh, otherwise, we've got about 15 minutes to kill before I have to call Frank uh, Gaffney. And when I do that, I'll see if I can play something or let you carry on and talk for a few minutes while I try to bring him in. But uh, okay. All right. Meanwhile, I'm trying to see if I can find Mike's information. Uh, no, I've got to get out of this. i got to get out of this. So just bear with me because um, he was supposed to call in. And I know I, we've been texting back and forth, so I know I have him on here. And here we go. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was not his. I saw a phone number, a strange phone number up in the studio. I was just wondering if it's his or not, and it was not. Okay, I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> oh, geez. And, you know, it's, it's funny because there's some other articles I wanted to get to with her, but I didn't get around to them because she was – she. Was as it was obvious that she was driving, but one of these things here in California, a school district is considering outing transgender students to parents. The school district's doing that, but then on the converse, there's another school district that's looking to out the parents who are opposing the child becoming transgender. You know, this is a tug of war for our future. Yes, you don't don't think of it as someone's kid. It is the future of this country. Yes, and what I find, I mean, if you look back at the history of education, 
you'll find that the whole purpose, and and this is sad to say, but uh, the purpose was to get the children, and 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 that's that's sad that education started out with their textbook was the Bible, and it has turned into. Uh, schools stating that they are these children's family and they want to take all this responsibility um, uh, as quote unquote the family. And that's the reason they feel that they cannot tell uh, parents about what's going on with their child. And for a, a teacher or an administrator to say that they're the family of this child, that might be a nice sentiment, but I'm telling you right now, you don't, you're not the one who's up with that child when they're sick. You're not the one that has to change their sheets when they've gotten sick. <laughs> you're not the one that has to uh, be there for them and hold them when they're upset. You are supposed to teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. Forget all this other social stuff. And the, the boundaries have been uh, overstepped by the school mm-hmm. system, and it's time. I, I am so thrilled that there's an a organization like Capital Resource Institute that is fighting this uh, and giving people tools to be able to fight in their areas and say, no, you, you are not the parent of this child. I am the parent, and you will not take my rights. And uh, for our federal government to try to tell parents that they are uh, – uh, what is what is the word a uh, terrorist for going to school boards and advocating for their child i mean everything is so upside down and it's time to right this ship absolutely absolutely now i don't i was not blessed with children and god had a different purpose for me i guess uh but i do show up at school board meetings good and and, and it turned around and it's like, well, you don't have children in the school. No, but I do pay school taxes. That's My right. money goes into this school district. It pays taxes. Now, what they did was they played a little numbers game so that if you're a resident, uh, certain parts of the school taxes you don't see on your home, your, 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 your um, property taxes. But you do see it. Every time a business pays their taxes, so actually they're collecting your money and then uh-huh. remitting it in. But those school taxes are in the businesses. And they're in the motors on the boats. It is in your vehicle. You drive those school taxes. It is in everything else within your reach. So you may not see a certain chunk of it on your property tax. I'm talking about real estate property tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you will see it everywhere else. And if you're taking my money into that school, and you're going to teach policies that I find that are adverse to the welfare of the child, to the welfare of the community, community and I'm going yeah. to speak up. So, because if you cannot produce a valuable individual coming out that will be an asset, not a liability to our community, mm-hmm. then we got a problem. If That's right. If you have more dropouts than you have graduates, if you have more kids coming out hooked on dope or confused about who they are, rather than having a purpose in life saying, I want to go and become a carpenter or a plumber, or I want to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, that they have a purpose and they seek a goal to make themselves a happy life, 
a prosperous life, one that would benefit us, or even if they leave this community to move somewhere else, benefit that community. Because if that community prospers, it means that, hey, we're doing everything right here to begin with. And, no, they don't see that. You don't have a child, so what what are you complaining about? (laughs) I'm complaining about the future. That's right. That's right. And and our scores are going. I mean, we used to be number one in the world in our mm-hmm. education, and now we're exactly. close to the bottom. Exactly. Because, I mean, kids can't even read. No, no, they can't. And COVID made that even worse. We dropped even further. Because yes. why? The schools were locked. They were blocked. Yes. Now the our social engineering experts that work in these schools well it's true they they spend more time with our kids than we do uh in truth because they have them for a huge chunk they teach them for eight hours but they have controlled them from the moment they left your home mm-hmm. walked to school or took the bus the moment they walked out their door and they have control of that child because that child's now focused on getting into the school and then wondering what the school day will be like and whether or not they did all their homework or whether or not the teacher's going to even ask for the homework they didn't do. Right. And then when the child leaves, there's the extracurricular activities afterwards. Mm-hmm. And most parents are a two-parent household that work, uh, so they're not home when that child gets home. And so now they are left to their smart devices and the influence of the society that they are entrenched in, whether it's their next-door neighbor or their friends on Facebook or TikTok. And then the parents come home, they're tired, they've been working, TV goes on, newspaper comes out, don't always pay attention to the kids. So the kids' influence, unfortunately, is controlled now by the school. And we've got to reverse that. Yeah, I got to tell you, when my husband and I were, were dating and talking about getting married, one of the things I told him, I said, here's the deal. We start having children. I will be home and raise my children. I just, if, if that's a deal breaker, let's stop now. Because if I'm going to have children, I will not have other people raising them. And so I stayed home with our children. Career had to take a back burner because it was more important for me to put in my children what I felt was important for them than to have someone else do that. And to this day, my children thank me that when they did start school, I made sure I was home when they got home. I made sure that they had what they needed and helped them with their homework. And they thank me to this day. And they're grown. They have their own families now. Mm-hmm. My daughter has made the decision she's going to homeschool. And so Good. these are the types of things that I got ridiculed, especially as a black woman. Staying home with kids or you girl get a career that was not important to me as it was my children. And so I got laughed at, I got ridiculed, but I'm telling you right now, if you're a mom out there and you can stay home with your children, that's the best job you will ever have. Yes. And what you get in the end, the gifts that you're getting in the end, with now your daughter following in your footsteps and how wonderful those grandchildren are going to be. Now, you yeah. have a future coming from you, 
from your single decision and how yeah. that will change how many lives down the line. That's right. And then That's you're right. influencing some other one person says, Man, she was a good example. She stood strong despite everything that was thrown at her. Mm-hmm. I want to be like her. And you are a living example for people to to emulate. And God bless you for that. I am so proud to call you friend. A brand new friend, <laughs> but a good yeah. friend. Yeah. And I'd do oh, it all man. over again. I would do it all over again. Oh, man. That is amazing. That is amazing. I'm just checking on Facebook and YouTube to make sure I didn't miss any comments or hear over on Blog Talk. I mean, you're trying to monitor all these different rooms, and it'd be like, okay, where am I now? (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, it is. But uh, sometimes uh, I I miss something, and I do apologize if I do, but uh, I got great people that are always posting wonderful, wonderful things. Um, anyway, I guess Mike Hill forgot to call in, but that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll chastise him later. Um, <laughs> I will have to call Frank Gaffney in. Let me get his phone number up, and I should be back shortly. Um, but tell while I'm doing that, Vicky, tell people about what you are doing uh, with Dan and how you're turning the world upside down with the wonderful stuff you guys are doing and starting to do. Okay. Well, like I had said in my introduction, uh, I it, we have a little podcast called Moms Across America, and uh, we basically st- talk about topics that affect families, and of course, just about everything affects families these days, but we, we, we zero in a lot on education and what is happening in the school systems, uh, just like when we were talking uh, with Karen earlier, um, and and it's it's I want moms, dads, parents across America to have tools where they can go and they can get information. And that's why I think uh, resources like uh, what Karen was talking about, Capital Resource Institute, being able to go to those resources so they can have the tools to be able to make sure that their children are are safe uh, at school. And, and who would have ever thought uh, 20, 30 years ago that that would even be a concern, that not only uh, uh, that, that, you know, you, you send your child off to school because, okay, that's the law, and your children have to be educated, but then you find out that those who are educating your children are putting things in them that you would have, that really is none of their business first of all, um, because you as the parent should be talking to your child about sexual issues. You as the parent should be talking to your child about belief systems. That's something you as a parent should be doing. And so we try to emphasize to parents, hey, this is your child. You have the right to go to that school. You have the right to talk to a teacher about what your children are learning in their classroom. You have the right to go to that school and say, no, I don't want my child having this particular uh, assignment um, because it has nothing to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic. I think if we had focus on those things in education, we would not be having the issues that we have today. And so Moms Across America is about giving parents tools. And one of the things that we do talk about on 
uh, Moms Across America is the rights constitutionally that people have. So we have partnered uh, with an organization where you can get a free constitution. It's called ashbrook.org forward slash constitution, and you can download a free constitution. And I got to tell you, that is something that's lacking in America today. People have here in America have not even read the Constitution. If you do not have a copy of the Constitution, if you have never read the Constitution, please go to ashbrook.org forward slash Constitution and get a free copy. Download it. Read it. It is not a long read, but I got to tell you, you will be amazed at the wisdom of our founding fathers in writing the Constitution of the United States of America, because it's not like America all over the world. This is a free country, and we want to emphasize to people the importance of knowing your constitutional rights, because I think we had mentioned this earlier in the show, uh, people go to the schools and they go to these different entities and saying, well, this is what I want you to do, not even realizing that 43 states have school exemption from obscenities. So these library, these, these books can be in the school libraries because the schools are exempt from obscenity, which makes no sense because we're about protecting children. So we put all these obscene things uh, in the schools, but the laws are there saying that they are exempt from that. So these are the types of things we need to understand. These are the types of things that we need to understand in regards to the Constitution. What is my right as a citizen of the United States of America? Well, you're not going to know that if you've never read the Constitution, And so that's one of the things that we do with Moms Across America. We do talk about political issues as well. And I hear people all the time, oh, I'm not interested in politics. Ah, That is such a dirty thing. It's so just mudslinging and all that kind of stuff. That's not altogether false, but I got to tell you this. If you do not get involved in some level, especially locally, in politics, It's going to be all in your business because everything about our lives, unfortunately, has to do with the decision makers who are in your local government all the way up to the national level making decisions uh, about your life from taxes to education to can you have a gas stove? Those are the types of things that are happening in our society that's been done by quote-unquote politicians who are supposed to be public servants, and uh, so if you don't get engaged, who will? So we do talk about those types of things on our show as well. So check us out, Moms Across America, and and, uh, we'd love to to have you see our content and comment and let us know what you think and – I got to tell you, folks, we've got to save our country, and we are on the verge of losing it. Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I kept on trying Frank Gaffney, and his phone kept on ringing. So his gal, his aide just sent me a text, and uh, we're going to have to try to reschedule him. I'm batting 1,000 today. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's okay. But it folks, happens. This, this, this is live. This is what happens. You just end up dealing with it. And normally I would have uh, Curtis over here. He'd be the one making the phone calls, and I'd keep the show going. But anyway, uh, we should – and Hannah is pretty good from Heritage Foundation, very good at, at calling in, so she should be calling in the next five to seven minutes. But you are so correct that we have to be involved and active in our politics locally and all the way on up. Uh, because if we let them get away with stupidity down here, <laughs> then they say, oh, at the state house, look what they allowed that to happen down there. So we can pull this on this on the the, the uh, state level. And the state level, they say, oh, you pulled it down there. It worked in South Carolina or Colorado or Texas or Florida. Mm-hmm. Let's do this on the federal level. They're a good example. And then, it, <laughs> then we go, I'm telling you, we got problems. Um, one yeah. of the things we're battling here. And they enacted this green space tax, which is the tax I said they slipped under the door last minute without enough time to fight it. And I did take out a half-page ad out of my own pocket to fight the wow. ad, to fight it. But they implemented it. Oh, it's green. It's going to help save space. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Well, I'm sorry, um, Mickey. We already had two programs instituted that the taxpayer pay for or donations pay for. And additional tax dollars are donated to this other organization. That protects green space. Mm-hmm. And we have these two organizations. One is run by the county council, by the county government, and the other one is a private one. Now, the private one takes in donations from people, but some tax, uh, county tax dollars do get given to it so that they can work in conjunction with the county project. So we have something functioning perfectly well and has been preserving land. And some people turn around and say, well, I've got myself, you know, three or five acres, 20 acres, 100 acres. I'm going to put them in the conservatorship to the Open Land Trust so that it stays pristine. It stays mm. in its natural state. We have the funds, and there's money in the bank to do exactly that, and we have been having this program in effect since 1990. Why do we need an additional green space tax to do exactly what you're doing right now? Oh, well, Well. we need to reduce rooftops. I am told by one of the council members, we need to reduce rooftops. Wonderful. (laughs) Then why are you approving all this new building if you want to reduce rooftops? You need affordable housing. And you've got people building rooftops that are not selling. Why don't you get the people that own those properties, maybe a tax break, and have them convert it into affordable housing so the workforce that works in the hospitality industry for your vacationers and your rich people in gated communities can have the services and have people that provide those services living nearby so they don't have to travel two hours one way just to give you those services. Mm-hmm. Give them a tax break. Convert. There's so many other things they could have done. But if you don't pay attention to what your local officials are doing, you get hit with a tax. And then when that tax, you go to the grocery store and buy a bread of a loaf of bread, and you see your taxes suddenly jump from 4% to 8%, <laughs> and you add up, oh, but it's a penny tax. A penny yep. here, a penny there. It's not a penny tax. It is 1% of what you're paying that will increase. 
That's right. So you spend three hundred dollars. Hmm, that's an ex- extra three dollars here. Another three dollars okay. there. I and know we recently. Single... Go ahead. We recently had the uh, I ten cents plastic bag quote unquote fee. Not a tax. That's exactly what it is. I have to pay ten cents to put my groceries in because we need to save the planet. We need to save the oceans. Well, first of all, we're landlocked here in Colorado. That's the first thing. <laughs> Secondly, do you not realize that just about everything you buy in a grocery store is packaged in plastic? In plastic. So you're going to charge me 10 cents to put my plastic items that I just purchased into a plastic bag. Oh, and here's the kicker. 10 cents, it's not much. 60% of the 10 cents goes to the local government. Uh Really, guys? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, all right, uh, the plastic bags, most people reuse them. They take them yes. home, they'll use them to take out their garbage, or they'll package something and give it to someone else, and someone else reuses that bag, and so the bag no longer is usable. It's recycled over and over again until it's met its use. However, yes. they want you now to bring your own bags, which are made from the very same petrochemicals those plastic bags are made from, uh-huh. and you're putting food and things in your bag that other people have touched. You don't know what germs. And does everyone take those cloth bags they're so proud of and wash them every time they use them? No. No. So you're transmitting those very same germs. But if you're using a plastic bag and you use it to put your garbage out, you're getting rid of the germs. That's right. Oh, oh, wait a minute. No, we're not going to use plastic bags. We're going to use paper bags. Oh, yes, so you're going to chop down a forest to save Mm -hmm. a sea turtle. That's really. That, that's uh, it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I'm hoping this may be Hannah calling in a little bit early, and let's see. And good afternoon. This is Southern Sense. I'm your hostess with the least mostest, the one going crazy here, Annie, along with my guest co-host, Vicki Tompkins. And to whom am I speaking? Is this Hannah? It sure is. How are you? <laughs> oh, you can see that we're on a tear here today. <laughs> you know us. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Well, I was supposed to have Frank, Frank Gaffney just before you, and for some reason I couldn't get a hold of him because what I was going to do was going to morph into you, which is perfectly because uh, you with Heritage are there. I, I'm going to call you their immigration researcher and expert. And anything that happens, you've got your thumb on it. But um, one of the things I always found amusing, well, actually not amusing but sad, uh, but in order to help promote citizenship from these illegal aliens, the military has been recruiting them. And now they're going into ultra drive on this. Uh, there's no problem in this. Is there any uh, at all, Hannah? I think I think when it comes to using um, the military as a, as a driver or a tool to implement citizenship, it, it's a slippery slope. Um, mm-hmm. But we we see that already happening. You know, it, it's kind of been a thing for for decades. Um, but I I don't think that serving in the military should. I think you should be a citizen before you serve for uh, a military force for for uh, a nation. Personally, um, and I think that a lot of people would end up signing up for the military regardless of whatever branch or what position um, for the wrong reasons. You know, you should serve 
because you you love your country and you want to protect your homeland, not because you want to gain access to said homeland. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what, what what scares me is that you're putting them in the military, you're giving them access to weapons, you're giving them access to how we do our training, and all right, fine, they're in the military, pathway to citizenship, um, but now you have someone that may have an ulterior motive, and you give them access to highly sensitive areas in our government, in our national security, in our home defense, that you would deny a regular citizen because maybe they're a bigamist? I don't know. Yeah, I What can, could I possibly can, go wrong? That could be a major issue with um, illegal immigrants or immigrants in general that have higher degrees, and so they go in as, at the officer level, and then therefore they're, they're going to have positions within the military. Say if it was the Army, they'd have an MOS. That would be higher ranking and would give them access to different clearances and, and, and possibly sensitive information. And if they did have ulterior motives, that would be a prime way. That'd be that'd be the, the best way to probably go about it. So, and um, and you know, a, a recent poll actually came out early June. I believe it was June first. Sixty-three percent of Americans from from coast to coast disagree with Biden's performance when it when it comes to immigration and the border. And so, I think this. If, if we're going to start, you know, just allowing a pathway to citizenship through um, an influx of migrants through through different positions in the military, I can see that percentage going up. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. we can't we can't give them a background check to get them into the country. We let them <laughs> loose in the country without a background or even a medical check to see if they're not bringing some contagious disease like COVID uh, into our nation. And now we say you want a pathway to fast citizenship and to the military. So how are we going to even know we can do a proper background check when they come into the military? If we right. can't do and it, I even to get them across the border. Right. Exactly. That's a good point. And I, I think if retention and recruitment for the military is that bad, go ahead and fix the reasons why. Go ahead and fix those woke agendas the military is starting to do and starting to implement. Go ahead and fix, you know, pay. Um, command structure, fix those things within the within the military before you start saying, well, if we can't source domestically, let's outsource. We don't need to outsource our military. No. <laughs> no, yes. I had I had brothers who served in the military, and I got to tell you, uh, two of them recently passed away, and they would be rolling over in their graves with some of the stuff that they're seeing coming out of the military. Yes, I hear. I hear. Um, a drill sergeant don't even yell at you anymore, and there's oh, safe gosh. places, and you get your phone during basic, and it, it's um, it's been softened. And I think if there's one thing that shouldn't be softened, it's it's any nation's military, let alone the the world superpowers. Mm-hmm. And oh oh, and by the way, if you are transitioning, we'll take care of that too in the military. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah, know it, how that would work with being in the field. You know, I, I don't understand how that would even work, how, how people who are transitioning would even have access to the, the, the proper medical equipment they would need to continue that. So it, it seems like it just brings a lot more issues than it solves problems, and I think the best way to, to cut that, those issues out and to cut extra funding out um, would just be to not allow people who are transitioning in the military that way. There's only two genders, and our military should only recognize two genders That's as right. well. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Oh, man. What amazing is that you don't have someone that is 100% ready. Uh, if you're going through this transitioning, uh, you need certain medications that you have to take for the rest of your life uh, because mm-hmm. of the surgeries that you've had uh, that altered your body in order to maintain your new <clears throat> sex. I'm not going to even say gender because <laughs> gender is DNA. Your new chosen sex you need to be consistently on these medications. You need yep. to have access to psychological services to help you maintain your transition. That is not a battle. So what do you do with a unit that's going out into field maneuvers for the next 60 days when you have someone that needs 24-hour care for their transitioning? Exactly right. Not not just not just twenty four hour care for on the medical side, but yeah, you're you're right. The psychological components that I know just probably have to it's, it have to exist if you're if you're trying to tra- if you're trying to change the body you were born in. There's got to be some comorbid um, psychological components to it, and and I don't think anybody that's um, they don't understand their own gender they were born with or their own sex they were born with. I don't think they're ready or prepared to, to serve our country. And that may be a, a hot take. That may be something people don't want to hear, but I'm not going to change on that. Yeah, and the morale of the, of the rest of the soldiers, like, are you going to have my back? Because you're not ready. Yes. So exactly. that, that's, that's exactly. another thing that's affecting all the troops. Exactly. You know, I, I just want to make a comment because I do see people in the studio calling in. Um, if you have a question of our guest, Hannah Davis from Heritage Foundation, or our guest of co-host, Vicki Tonkins of uh, Black and White Podcast, and the chair of her county GOP up in Colorado Springs, um, please press 1. Otherwise, I will be assuming that you're only listening in. Uh, but, Hannah, you have a great article that you, was up in the uh, – Daily Signal just a couple of days ago about the increased illegal immigration, increased crime. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised because a number of years ago I did a podcast and I was talking about the number of people that were incarcerated that were illegal aliens. And it's increased since I did the podcast. I said at that time it was one-third. You're saying it's now two-thirds of the federal arrests involve non-citizens. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, since Biden took office, we've got over six million encountered at um, nationwide. So these are all ports of entry, and then two million, over two million, have been released. We've got over 1.5 million gotaways. Um, who knows how many gotaways really? I think that number is probably only half of what it what it should be, but we'll never know because they're gotaways. Um, yeah. And so, you know, with with higher population, it's proven higher population, higher higher density in cities comes higher crime. You know, we've added this many million people, um, immigrant or not, legal or not. If you add that mi- that many million, crime is going to come. People naturally commit crimes, whether they be really serious crimes or whether they be petty theft. It's still crime, and we're we are seeing that. That back in 2018, there was a, a research study done, and it was a nationwide study, and it said two thirds of non-citizens um, non-citizens makes up two thirds of federal arrests. And those are usually, you know, federal arrests are typically much more heinous crimes. And if that was back in 2018, I can imagine what it is now. So mm. I'm waiting for the, the next couple of years to see another study. Um, but, yeah, this crime, it's, it's not just even crime. You know, you have such a, a rampant amount of people. It's, it's overtaking the health care system. It's overtaking the schools. I saw something recently. It said 29% of immigrant children at school 
come from one of their parents is an illegal alien. I mean, some school yeah. districts are reporting that 80% of their school population are illegal aliens. It's absolutely insane, and integration isn't what it used to be. You know, these kids aren't willingly learning English, and nope. I know we don't have a national language, but we happen to speak the, – the majority of us happen to speak English, and so I think it's paramount that these children learn that, and, and they're not. And, and, and it's a big issue. Um, Peter Perezzi, he's a, an editor at the Heritage Foundation, he actually wrote a piece recently, and, he, and I thought he worded it so well. He said that, you know, with no integration, basically the melting pot that is America is just becoming a pressure cooker. You know, oh. everybody's so segregated. You know, um, the Venezuelans, they stay in the Venezuelan neighborhoods up here around mm-hmm. D.C. Chinese nationals that immigrate, they come legally or not, they stay in the Chinese neighborhoods. There's no more integration. And, and slowly but surely we're seeing that melting pot turn into a pressure cooker. It's, it's, it's no more melting, no more learning um, the, the language that other people speak. And it's, it's trickling into the school system. And, and our actual citizen children deserve better. They deserve to be in a classroom that, you know, you've got a teacher and a teacher aide to maybe 20, 25 students was always the average. And now, I mean, I know just in North Carolina alone, we've got totally insane and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Well, the article uh, Peter wrote, which I have in my fat little hand, putting up to the camera in lessons (laughs) for Biden and Mariarchus, massive immigration and poor integration simply do not work. And it was based upon what happened, a speech from uh, the Swedish prime minister, Kisterson. And he's saying, well, guess what, folks? These people are not integrating. They're not no. learning, as you said, the language. They're not becoming a fabric of the co- country. They're becoming a burden on the country uh, because this is the next set of people that want, oh, let's see, um, college tuition, welfare, <laughs> Section 8 housing. Oh, wait a minute. They're already getting that. Mm-hmm. They're already getting that. We're just making it worse. And yeah. in your article, you're saying in April alone, Customs and Border Protection encountered more than a quarter of a million, 275,000 illegal aliens in April alone, Not that do not include the gotaways that we know about. This mm-hmm. is what they encountered. We don't know what went past them. This is no, scary. It, um, it is. It is scary, and you see those big numbers, and it's almost not tangible anymore. You know, It's like when you look at the national debt number. It doesn't make sense. It's mm. not tangible. But to make it tangible, I actually – you know, because you're, you're based out of Beaufort, no? Yes. Yes. So, yes. You, know, you know, illegal immigration in South Carolina alone has added 40, over, close to 46,000 illegal alien children to you guys' school system. Dear Lord. Yeah, you guys are spending over $586 million annually on their education. Yeah. I mean, saying in, in, in states such as, you know, New York City or uh, New York or Texas or Illinois or California, you see a lot more of them. I mean, their numbers are, are absolutely insane. I know I think the total for New York in general is like it's about nine, nine million. Um, no, no, nine billion that they're spending annually just on you know illegal aliens' health care, their school, their in-state tuition, all those social services that they receive, and I don't, I don't know how long the nation can keep up. I, I don't, and I, I think it's already starting that the fabric of of small cities, especially sanctuary cities, is just, it's just ripping, and I, I don't, I don't understand how how long they think they can keep up with it with the policies they have at hand. Yeah, no, and I mean, just thinking about what you were saying uh, uh, earlier, Hannah, about we don't have a national language. 
Most countries do. And one of the things that I've I've noticed, uh, for some reason, our elected officials want to shy away uh, from making English our national language. And here's here's one of the problems I see. Um, I had gone up to our capital and spoken about this very problem where we have illegal uh, people coming in. They're causing car accidents and the different things. And my husband had been hit by an illegal alien, and he's having all these issues at the time because of that accident. The person did not have a license, did not have insurance, and the police officer let the person drive away. Okay, that was the first thing. So I go up to the Capitol, and my husband and I are speaking on this and how we need to do some changes. A lady is coming up to the mic to speak. She has to have an interpreter. She has been in America for 25 years and cannot speak English. Wow. That is a problem because there's a saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans. When in America... You should be able to speak English, and that's not happening. And I think that's probably one of the foundations of some of our issues. Yeah, and and you start to see, you know, every single document that's written by DHS or, yes. or by the DOJ, it's always translated, you know, uh. and, and, and we're starting to see the translate. It used to be just, you know, English, and then mm-hmm. it started trickling to Spanish and now I mean because we've had so so an influx of so many different types of migrants from almost every single country in the world we're starting to see like things written in Swahili things yep. written in Russian and Chinese and Mandarin it's 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 wild and you know you know trees are being cut down for it I mean and people I know it's someone's job that just translates everything that's a taxpayer position I mean it's absolutely insane how much money we're putting into just translating things it'd be much cheaper for them just to learn the language that's around them and I, and I would say that a lot of them do um, even if it's a choppy understanding but yeah I, I've never understood quite why the the government has shied away from creating a national language I know we're supposed to be the melting pot um, and that you know it was founded upon immigration, but at some point we've got to we've got to put our foot down and put our own citizens first. Um, and it's 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 wild. It's absolutely insane. And I, I definitely agree with you. You know what I, I fail to understand is that all right. They say that the illegal immigrants coming in are taking jobs that we Americans no longer work. Um, but I had a friend of mine who worked construction, and he was looking for a job on several construction sites, sites that he people he had worked with in the past and gotten a good wage and so forth. And he said it was overrun with illegal immigrants doing the very job he had been doing prior. So I'm sorry, Americans still do want to work in the construction industry, mm-hmm. uh, just being overrun. You go into other hospitality and service industries where people would make good money. They took care of the, their guests or their a customer, if it's a restaurant or a hotel or whatever, get a nice tip because you paid special attention. You knew American to American. Hey, we understand what you need, and you understand the quality of service that you want. But you have illegal immigrants coming and doing there. They zip in, and now you don't see them. You don't hear them. It's a difference, and they're paying much lower wage if they're even getting a legal wage. And why aren't yeah. we fighting that? I mean, Yeah, I mean – it's an issue down down in North Carolina as well. I mean, back in, I remember just even back in high school, I had friends. You know, I grew up around cornfields and cows, and um, and my friends they would over the summer they'd pick okra, 
Um, and, you know, you filled up the big bucket and you got five bucks for each bucket. It was all under the table. And some eventually some farmers would, would hire you over the table. But, you know, when you're a high school kid, you, you just want that summer job under the table. But eventually it, it went away after about two summers of my buddies doing all of that. It was all of a sudden it was all migrants. Um, and they were they were doing all the work and 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 so it I know personally just like four people who were put out of work because of that and and it's not right and then the migrants that come over on the H1B visas um, you know they're supposed to have and this wouldn't be an agricultural worker with an H1B it would be you know someone that's supposed to have like a an upper education you know your doctors your lawyers and the like you know I saw something recently that said a good amount of them actually don't really have an education that's much higher than high school but somehow they're weaseling their way in here so then not only are they stealing the, the the remedial jobs the 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 agriculture jobs or the not as you know mentally taxing jobs as like construction but they're also stealing you know our doctors our lawyer positions things like that so it, it's just across the board a big issue and I'm not I I'll say it again. I don't understand. I don't understand it, and I don't. I don't know how long we're going to be able to keep up. You know, most people are living paycheck to paycheck, and the average households are having to have increases in their taxes because of the illegal aliens. I mean, just in in South Carolina alone, you guys, you it says right here the average cost of South Carolinians per is four thousand seven hundred and fifty two dollars per illegal alien. Times that by how many you have. I mean, that's a, a burden of an extra almost um to every household. And, yeah, and not a lot of people, you know, you live paycheck to paycheck, you don't have that spare 400, but it's coming out of somewhere. So not only are they taking your job, but you're having to pay for it at the end, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's not fair. It's not right. It's not, uh, you know, Biden loves to tout the idea of equality and equity. It's neither of those things either. Right. No, no. And then if you add in the criminal element um, that we're having it, it's, it's, it's absolutely astounding. Uh, that the level of of crime that has now risen. There's mm-hmm. one thing that when we had Antifa and everything else going around city to city, causing anarchy. Uh, you had that city in um, Oregon that had a whole camp. That hey, listen, this is our anarchists taking over the police station. One thing when that happens, and we turn a blind eye, which we did. Thank you, media. But now you have this with the illegal aliens, and the media is not even reporting it. They won't mm-hmm. even put it on the camera. We will displace veterans from a hotel, homeless veterans from a hotel, to house illegal aliens. We're not taking care of Americans first. Right. Yeah. And it As used it, to be. And it used to be when you would see people fleeing from a country. They were they were looking for asylum, and it was usually women and children. Now, when you look at these people who are coming here, you're talking about 25, 35, 40 year old men coming over, and they're not seeking asylum; they're seeking something else. And right. I mean, that's where year, the change is. Yeah, and, and just last year, I mean. 2022 only only 14 percent of asylum cases were actually found to be to be to be accurate to be real asylum cases so only 14 percent of the asylum cases were accepted and i mean we've got an over two million backlog right now i can't imagine how many of those are frivolous but instead of you know detaining them or telling them to go wait back into safe another safe country you know we're we're saying hey you know we're gonna catch and release you you know and and (laughs) we're gonna you're gonna be on taxpayers dime and they're gonna keep coming 
and and they're gonna they're gonna maybe appear for their court dates they're given you know in 2024 or 2027 i've seen them far back as that and and who knows if they're actually going to show up and so you know it's just nonsensical and we can't keep up we're not going to be able to maintain um the fabric of society is just ripping to shreds right now and it's an absolute shame and and you're right you're supposed to you know you, you you used to see and the, and the current administration has made it harder. Uh, they're purposely doing this. Media outlets, you know, if there was a crime, they would mention their immigrant status. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that anymore. And boy, nope. do they make you dig for it. Um, because oh, yeah. they don't like the optics of that. They don't, they don't want right. people to think that way. But it's the truth. They don't want you to think the truth. Um, so they're trying well, to, the government's trying to snow you. And, and um, it's, uh, it's been a fight to make sure that the people know. But the people deserve better. So I'm going to keep riding on it. Um, and hope, hopefully that I, I gain traction on that because people deserve better. And um, just talking about, you mentioned just a moment ago how, you know, you were supposed to arrest. And, and the Supreme Court actually struck down today, early this morning, they struck down Texas and Louisiana um, because Texas and Louisiana came forward and said, you know what? Because people here, local law enforcement, aren't allowed to operate under actual code and statutes and uh, arrest and deport people who are illegal aliens that have just been released from prison or jail or who have been found, whether it be at a scene of a crime or during a traffic stop, they're found to have um, a final notice to, de- de- to be deported, a departure notice. And it used to be that local law enforcement would just simply detain them, hand them over to ICE, and they would go. And now yep. the current administration, they're saying, no, we're not doing that. That's not allowed. And so Texas and Louisiana came forward and said, hey, this is a big burden on our healthcare system, on our legal system, our correction system, you know, having to house and feed these people while they're in jail or then when they're out of jail or prison, all these social services benefits that we have to pay for and give to them, it's too much. It's crippling our economy. It's, it's horrible to our people. And they got struck down this morning, said that there wasn't enough cause, essentially, that there wasn't enough um, – <laughs> information and i'm just i'm thinking wow absolutely insane it's absolutely insane and 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 i want to ask the federal government what is going to be enough information i mean obviously the statistics and the data that they presented how much you know their citizens are paying um whether it be because they're victims of crime or victims of having to pay for illegal alien social services i mean when will it when will it be enough what is the government's overall goal until they're going to shut down the system that Biden's opened at the borders. When, when will it be enough? How, how many people have to die? How many, how many taxpayers have to go under until, until the current administration says, you know what, yeah, maybe I should close the border? Well, you know, Hannah, it's even worse because now on May 11th, they instituted this new program called Safe Mobility. Oh, wait, you don't need to have to cross the border illegally. Outside of that app we talked about last week, that mobile app that, hey, listen, I can make an appointment to cross the border illegally and you'll let me in. The safe mobility gives them waiting room in Colombia and Costa Rica and Guatemala where they can wait and say, okay, fine, now it's safe. So if you can't get the app to work, just do the safe mobility and go into one of these waiting rooms. We'll give you food and clothing and everything else. We'll take care of you, and then we'll help you come across the border illegally. But we're telling you how to cross the border, so you'll declare that you're asking for asylum. But asylum no longer is something that we recognize because it's been Mm -hmm. so distorted and so abused. This is a friggin' nightmare. It is. It truly is. And it's not safe for the people who are coming here. 
who are really yeah. seeking help. I mean, how many women and children are being abused who are truly seeking help crossing the border? I would say, what, 75% of them are? Probably a little less than 75%, but the ones who really are, they, they really are. You know, these unaccompanied children, these single mothers who are, you know, trafficking victims, and they're not able to focus on, on, those, on those people or those cases because there's such a big backlog, and they're mm-hmm. filtering in, you know, the, the 30 to 40-year-old men who, it, who are, you know, creating frivolous asylum claims. And it, it's not fair to the people who come here legally and the people who use asylum claims the correct way and who actually mean it. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not fair. Wow. I mean, every time we speak to you, I think it's worse and worse and worse, and it's not going to stop until we get this, <laughs> this individual out of the White House and those that support and help his policies uh, out, of, out of office. I mean, there's talk of impeaching Mayorkas, but I don't see it gaining any traction. He definitely merits it, and I know Rhett Biggs is probably one of the biggest proponents for it, and he pushes it all the time. He was just at Heritage. We had an unaccompanied children and human trafficking event, but unfortunately it only seems like a small amount of Republicans are putting much weight into the merit that we have when it comes to you know, impeaching Secretary Mayorkas, and, and nobody wants to touch it, and um, it's a shame. It, it, it's, it's a downright shame thing that we control the House, but we're not doing anything. And I, I don't know if it's because, you know, these Republicans are actually squishes. I don't know if it's because they don't want to run on an immigration ticket. They may lose the centrist or the libertarians vote. But at the end of the day, you've got to put the American people first, regardless of what party you are. Um, and if you're not going to step forward and say, yeah, you know, we should, you know, get rid of Secretary Mayorkas or the border czar or Biden, well, at least start pushing through policies at the state and local level that benefit your own citizens rather than enable more uh, legal aliens into your regions. Well, sure. ladies, uh, we're at the end of the show. It has been a blast. Vicki, thank you for being a guest co-host. And Hannah, Vicki and I are going to be doing a podcast together, hopefully uh, real soon, called the Black and White uh, Podcast. Uh, so we're going to have a blast um, but Hannah, again, I look forward to seeing you next week. All righty, thank you for having me. And thank I you for having we'll me. Oh, it Talk is my soon. pleasure, Vicky. And we'll let people know when uh, you and I uh, have our podcast, so we get my Vic, uh, listeners to come on over and listen to us make fools of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try not to. <laughs> well, it was great being on your show. Thank you for the invite. Well, it has been my pleasure. Uh, we will be back next week. We've got um, uh, Leah Hopes talking about her new book, uh, Parallel Election, Exploding Election Fraud. We'll have Mark Tapscott from the Epic Times and Hannah Davis. So I leave everyone here. Uh, where the heck I had a uh, – oh, here we go. Leave you with our friends, Dirty Uncles, face of the new democracy. Good night and God bless. If you like your health care plan. You'll be able to keep your health care plan.
administration in history. Not even a smidgen of corruption. Fact is, we had four dead Americans. What difference at this point does it make? If you've got a business, you didn't build that. 